You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger Communications app, Tiger.fm. I'm Ryan LaVoy, filling in for J.J. Jackson today. On the show with me, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy this Wednesday afternoon. Excited to have another sports call with you and excited to, again, click off another day as we wait for Auburn football to return to the Plains. Uh, we are just anxiously awaiting Saturday and, and really all of this week of college football as it gets kicked off again tomorrow night. So we will have plenty of college football uh, talk for you today. We will continue to uh, kind of look at this Auburn roster as we get set for their game against Mercer on Saturday. We get Tom's opinion since it'll be his last show between now and then. Get his opinion on what will happen, what he wants to see happen out of that game. Uh, we'll also have, as we've been doing these last few days, we'll have more NFL divisional previews today. The NFC and AFC South division, of course, a lot of teams around this neck of the woods, uh, relatively speaking. So uh, we will go through those two NFL divisions a little bit later in the show. And at four fifteen. We'll speak to the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Bertram, as uh, we get set for another year of, of listening Andy. Man, football, basketball, and baseball here at Auburn University. We're excited to talk to him as he gets set for another season of being the voice of the Auburn Tigers. We'll talk to him at 4.15, of course. Uh, at the beginning of the show, uh, here in a few minutes, we'll do birthdays and sports as we do each and every day. We'll have an exciting announcement about that in a little bit and uh, also a nightly TV guide at the end of the show as well. So a lot to do today, a lot to talk about. More college football items that we'll bring up here in just a couple of moments. But first and foremost, Brooks Childress, how are you doing, my friend? I am doing fantastic on a Wednesday afternoon here in the loveliest village on the plains. It's a beautiful day outside, as it most always is here. Um, yeah, it's uh, getting creeping ever so closer. We are just a little over 24 hours from uh, official week one kickoffs of college football. I think Akron is the first game to kick off tomorrow at like 5 o'clock, so we're just a little over we're over 24 hours from uh, college football week one kicking off. We've already had week zero. Um, had a great night last night. Went to see a movie where the crawdads sing. I highly recommend it. It is If, if you've read the book, I didn't read the book. Um, before I went and saw it, but I, I really enjoyed the movie, and so did that last night. And uh, unfortunately, didn't uh, didn't get to see the Braves get a win last night because of uh, you know they lost three to two to the Colorado Rockies. Not the way you wanted to start out the home stand, but you know Braves got to bounce back tonight. You got two more games against the Rockies to try to grab. But the good thing for the Braves is that the Mets also didn't win last night, so the Mets lost to the Dodgers four to three. So you didn't lose a game to the Metropolitans. Uh, in the standings, and so now you got to bounce back tonight because 
you lose, you know, the, the Mets aren't going to lose all three of these games to the Dodgers. Uh, there's, or is it three games or is it two games against the Dodgers? This I think one. it's three. You're, they're not going to lose all three of these games. So you got to grab at least one of these games against the Rockies. You got to hopefully you grab two of these games against the Rockies going forward. And yeah, it's it's a beautiful day. Can't wait to talk to all of our callers too. Cam, how are you doing? Doing well uh, on a great Wednesday. Uh, kind of walked in as Brooks was talking about. Uh, the Braves and that that is a disappointing loss because that that's just that's a series that you probably hope to sweep um but yeah you know other than that pretty good excited just excited for Saturday man just ready for some some Auburn football honestly um ready to be at the game ready to be in Jordan Hare and just experience that environment but yeah uh doing great today yeah, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about today because obviously we're going to continue to talk more Auburn football. And again, I, 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 I'm so excited for the season to begin. Obviously, there's a, le- a level, of, I don't want to say disappointment, but maybe a little letdown just because we, we will still have so many questions about Auburn that will be unanswered against Mercer. Um, you know, obviously, like aside from a worst-case scenario, Auburn barely beats Mercer for whatever reason. This looks unbelievably awful. Aside from that, we really can't discern a lot of positives. So, like, we're not going to get big picture things for here these first couple weeks. But it's going to be so exciting to see the team back out there. And uh, we'll be excited to talk to Andy Bertram about them a little bit later in the show uh, as well. More exciting things coming for Tiger Talk and the Tiger Tailgate show uh, this year in 2022. Uh, Let's start with Auburn football, though, and then a little bit later in this hour I want to have um, some more college football discussions because uh, there's some news pertaining around the Big 12 uh, that is uh, of significance to the SEC potentially with Oklahoma and Texas and some other things as well. Uh, but, but as we start to get more towards um, game day, I mean, this is a game week prep now for Auburn as it is for everybody and Auburn taking on a Mercer team that they weirdly had uh, a tough time against in 2017 due to their own mistakes with a bunch of turnovers and that sort of thing. Um, but that aside, you still figure Auburn will um, have a very demonstrative victory over, over Mercer. At least that was what, what the hope would be. Um, so I guess even though we're a few days away, let's go ahead and talk about hopes and expectations for Mercer. I know, like I said, big picture, there's not going to be a plethora of things that we can just say is going to automatically translate against the top 25 teams in this country, which there are several in the SEC. But what would make you feel, I don't know, 5% better about things um, on Saturday? What, what, what is something that you feel uh, Auburn can uh, pleasantly surprise you with, I guess, against, Missouri, uh, against Mercer? excuse me, Execution um, on both sides of the ball. I'm, I'm not really worried. I don't think anybody is really necessarily worried about the defense. I think the defense is going to show up and, and – do what they do, but on the offensive side of the ball, I want to see execution. I want to see T.J. Finley stand in the pocket, have command of of the offense, and and hit the throws that he's supposed to throw. Um, hit the throws that he's supposed to on all three levels um, of the field. Uh, that's just really what I'm expecting to see. Uh, I just want you know want him to go out there and and have a good clean game. You know, not throws where we're just sitting there and we're just like man, you know, he should have hit that. You know, that's something that he should have been able to make. And uh, it's just some of the things that we were saying about him last year. Um, I want him to just come out and, and show, you know, show that confidence that he's ready and that he is the number one quarterback on this team. And um, that, you know, just because it's Mercer, just show that, you know, they're, they're, they are an easy team, you know, and they're somebody that we should be and we should dominate against and go out there and prove it. Brooks, what about you? 
Um, I don't know because I I'm sit, I was sitting here thinking about it. What what I'd like you know what I would like to see. Um, and I just I don't know because last year you opened up against Akron and you opened and your second game was against Alabama State last year. And we after those two games. Auburn put up 60 points. We they saw they, everything we could have wanted. They were right. averaging 60 points right. in the offense. The defense was just suffocating the, both of those teams. And, you 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 know, everyone's like, oh, the Penn State game's a shoe-in. They're going to win this one. You know, it, it's going to be great. And then, it you know, you went it up to that not. Penn State. Uh, <laughs> and as uh, I think it, Steve or someone, uh, maybe it was Terry yesterday, brought it up on the show, they made uh, Sean Clifford look like a Heisman Trophy candidate. And he's a good quarterback, but, you know, it, it – I don't know what I would want to see. I I'm I'm with Cam. I, I want to see execution. I want to see I want to see TJ Finley in this offense. I yeah. want to see. I really want to see his accuracy. Yes. I think that's because that's the biggest question. Because we talked to Justin Ferguson yesterday on the show, and he said the confidence is there. You know, he he said last year he was not ready to you take that starting quarterback job over. He wasn't in you know right mental space, right physical space to take over that uh, quarterback job. And the biggest question is still the accuracy on his throwing. So I, I guess if, if I had a, wanted to see something, if, if I, I was going to pick something that I really wanted to see uh, in this first game against Mercer, it's the accuracy from T.J. Finley. Um, I also would want to. I also want to see kind of you know get to the point in the Mercer game where you get to see Robbie Ashford and maybe Zach Calzada on the field too to see what they look like in a game situation. We already kind of know. You know, we've seen Zach Calzada on the field in the SEC, but we have ne- we have not seen him on the field as an Auburn Tiger in a in an official game, obviously. And then Robbie Ashford, we just don't know what he looks like in a game situation, besides an A day game, and uh, you know that's glorified practice kind of right there, but. It's. Uh, I, I think the, the two things is I want to see the other two quarterbacks and see how they're – because you could have a situation. It's like when T.J. Finley was saying uh, when he met with the media on Monday that he wasn't ready to be there. I want these two quarterbacks, Zach Calzada and Robbie Ashford, to be ready in case something happens to T.J. Finley this year like it happened to Bo Nix last year. And then I want to see the accuracy from T.J. Finley on the offensive side of the ball. I'm, Cam, I, I agree that you know defense should not be a problem. There's nothing you know you're like oh I need to see this in the defense. I need to see this from the defense, um, especially the front seven. Yeah. Uh, it, it maybe the secondary a little bit. I, I'd like to see how they defend uh, in the passing game a little bit. But overall, I think that those the like I said, Finley's accuracy and then just getting the other two quarterbacks on the field in a real live game situation in front of eighty-seven thousand people. Uh, I think those are the two big things. So I'll I'll add something to I will I will add something to what you guys said and what I want to see. But first I want to make a point because I don't know if this point was made on the Monday show. I was not on it. Um, we did not talk about this yesterday. So when Auburn released its depth chart, um, they still did the the classic what what everyone jokes about the or for for certain positions that the backups, not the starters. Right. But like for example, you know the center is Tate Johnson, but the backup is Jaleel Irvin or Avery Jernigan. Um, example on defense. So say uh, at safety behind Zion Puckett, it's Craig McDonald or Marquise Gilbert. And there's other ors throughout the roster as backups. And I wanted to make the important point of this because we talked about it a lot in the lead up and I don't think we ever like doubled back to confirm this. But just so everyone knows, it's TJ Finley and the backup is Robbie Ashford. Right. It is not Robbie Ashford or, or Zach Calzada. It is Robbie Ashford. In. And so he won the backup job. And so I think that's important because you have, uh, you know, we've heard from Terry before that he believes once Ashford gets out there, they're going to fall in love. And 
you know, Ashford's going to end up being the guy and because of everything that he might be able to do. Um, and look, that's certainly possible, but it is important to note that like there is not a current competition in the same way that there's not in the Auburn coaches' minds, there's not a current competition for who the starter is. It is TJ Finley. In their minds, there's also not a current competition for who the second place guy is. It is Robbie Ashford, according to the depth chart. So I do, I do want to make that point is I think we will see uh, more Robbie Ashford than we see Zach Calzada say, say this is over at halftime, like everybody wants to be. Say it's 38 nothing or 42 nothing, 42 three, whatever, pick your score and you're comfortable going to the backup. I think we see Robbie Ashford for maybe a quarter and a half, or we see yeah. Robbie Ashford for a quarter plus a drive nice instead of an even helping of Calzada and Ashford. So I just wanted to point that out to everyone. The thing I want to see, along with you guys, I think what you guys, you've hit the nail on the head, like you got to see you know, good, consistent, clean throws and, and, and good judgments and that sort of thing. I want to see what the wide receivers do separation-wise. Yeah, that was going to be my next thing, um, yes. Because – that's the other part of this passing game element to it. And we, we kind of, you know, teeter-totter between what we talk about what day and, and which one, you know, is more concerning, it feels, at the time. Um, but the reality is, too, is that sometimes quarterbacks, and this often, this does it feel like it happens too often because there's so many talented wide receivers now in the game today because we're throwing more, there's so many good athletes and that sort of thing, game-breaker type of guys. This problem is not run into all the time, but – Sometimes there's just situations where wide receivers don't get space, and I think that was something that Auburn dealt with last year. I think you saw people like Kobe Hudson and Shed Jackson. The reason people were critical of these guys is not because like they dropped a million passes or like didn't have a good you know good measurements or or, or some speed or some physicality, but they just weren't getting open. They weren't great route runners, and yeah. so I know again Mercer. They're not going to have the Lockdown, pro corner. pro D, yeah. DBs, you know, they're not – Eli Ricks is not out there. <laughs> Keely Ringo is not out there. I get that. But at the same time, that will that will show me if you cannot get wide open against Mercer, right. you're not going to get wide open against no. man against these other no guys. Chance. So along those same lines with you guys, it's like it's just – again, these, are, these will feel like Captain Obvious things here. But, like, I just – like – you try and look at the game within the game and just how it looked. And so, like, okay, I'll give you another another small thing. It's like Auburn's going to have plays that are not success, successful. They're going to have plays like anyone would that are not 20-yard gashers. Don't have negative plays. So, right. in, in other words, um, don't have T.J. Finley having to run for his life. No sacks. You know, multiple times against yep. Mercer. Don't have, you know, a tackle for a loss. of Tank, Tank Bigsby should never be tackled for a loss in this game. Like no. that, That's not a thing that should happen. He can have run, runs of, like, a yard – because occasionally that will happen, but if he gets twenty carries, he should not. He should still not have a tackle for a loss. Right. Um, so, you know, kind of again, just piggybacking off you guys a little bit. You know, that's part of just playing in a good executed game is that you don't blow an assignment to the point that someone's being molested in the backfield Facts. or in that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Honestly, just we just want to see a clean game at the end of the day and and see the execution against a team like Mercer where we should probably beat them like 60 to 3 um and and just overall dominate clean consistent pocket just all overall and and the receivers is a really really good point because we we want to see you know this is a a relatively unproven wide receiver core I'd say and and we just want to see if, if they can get separation, if, if they can win their matchups, uh, that's going to be key to how we kind of view them going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it, look, a lot of wide receivers have, have gotten varying levels of excitement from, right. uh, from members of the media, from coaches especially. 
throughout the fall camp and look, getting ready to have the opportunity to excite the fans and excite everyone around the country about it as well. Let's take our first break of the show. On the other side, birthdays in sports will also open up the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341, locally toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We'll get, take your phone calls next. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Brooks Childress with you here today. Filling in for J.J. Jackson. He will be calling Auburn Volleyball tonight at Neville Arena. It's the Alabama State Hornets. So Home opener. Nice. Uh, Auburn uh, went 3-0 over the past weekend. I believe they were in Atlanta. They were. All weekend and, and the, got three uh, match victories. I think it was the Panther Invitational hosted by Georgia State. And uh, Georgia State did not beat Auburn or the other two teams that Auburn played. So that was good news. Nice. Um, and uh, Auburn did lose to Alabama State last year, actually, in volleyball for the first time. So Auburn trying to make amends for that and start 4-0 this season. Should J.J. Jackson be on the call for that? All right. Each and every day we do this. But before we start our segment here, we want to tell you that Birthdays in Sports will be sponsored starting tomorrow. So we'll have a new exciting announcement tomorrow of, of the new sponsor. And uh, that will be great news. And uh, so we're really excited to announce our partnership tomorrow. But for now, in the month of August, here's today's Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. All right, today we have a big helping of birthdays. So we'll start with Larry Fitzgerald. He turns 39, former Arizona Cardinal wide receiver. Fitzgerald grew up in Minnesota, spent his childhood as a ball boy for the Vikings. He was an all-state wide receiver in high school and attended Pitt starting in 2002. He only played two seasons with the Panthers, but amassed amassed over 2,600 yards and 34 touchdowns in those two seasons. 2003, he won the Blitnikoff Award and Walter Camp Award. He was a unanimous All-American and Big East Offensive Player of the Year. His number one is retired by Pittsburgh. He was taken third overall in the 2003 NFL Draft by the Arizona Cardinals and would play for the team for 16 seasons. He was an 11-time Pro Bowler, two-time NFL receptions leader, two-time NFL receiving touchdowns leader, and a Walter Payton Man of the Year. Larry Fitzgerald turns 39 today. Jalen Brunson turns 26. Not, That's, not if he's Bunsen. not If he's not playing well, he's Jalen Brunson. Uh, Jalen Brunson, <laughs> Brunson turns 26 today. Point guard for the New York Knicks. Brunson was born in New Jersey and set several state and national records as a high schooler. He was an All-American, 2015 Sports Illustrated Basketball Player of the Year, and MVP of the 2015 FIBA U19 World Cup. He was ranked as a five-star and committed to Villanova, where he, played, where he played three seasons and was two-time All-Big East, one-time All-American, a Koozie Award winner, and a National College Player oh of the Year gosh. 
two-time NCAA tournament champion. Just got a large yeah. deal from like, the New York Knicks. I like Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson. So but do the Knicks. I will be using. I, I don't know if I love that contract, but I will be using Jalen Brunson if yep. he's bad. As a I solid will. 4 of 15. Oh, my gosh. Jalen Brunson. <laughs> Jalen Brunson turns 26 today. Scott Niedermeyer turns 49, former NHL defenseman. Niedermeyer was born in Canada and played hockey from a young age, joined the junior league at 16, played three seasons before being drafted third overall by the New Jersey Devils in 1992, played for 18 years in the National Hockey League, was a five-time All-Star, one-time James Norris Trophy winner as the best defensive player in the NHL, one-time Con Smith Trophy winner as playoff MVP, four-time Stanley Cup champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, his number is retired retired by both the New Jersey Devils and Anaheim Ducks. Scott Niedermeyer turns 49 today. Lance Moore turns 39, former NFL wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints, was born in Westerville, Ohio, set a state high school record for both receptions and touchdown catches in his senior year at Westerville South High School, played college football for Toledo. The Rockets. Lance Moore appeared in 101 games for the Saints from 05 to 13. Recording 346 catches for 4,281 yards. After leaving New Orleans, he had stints with Pittsburgh and Detroit. He is a member of the Saints Hall of Fame, which is quite a low bar. Lance Moore turns 39 today. Did I do that? Um, Sorry. (laughs) It's NFC South Day, and uh, we'll be talking more about the Saints in a little while. Boo, Saints. Planette Pearson turns 41, former WNBA power forward and center, both in are uh, born in Houston, Texas. She attended Texas Tech from 1999 to 2003. Guns up. She was traded to the Detroit Shock in two, th- or excuse me, she was taken fourth overall by the Phoenix Mer- Mercury in 2003 before being traded to the Detroit Shock in 2005. The team would win the championship in 06. During the 07 season, she would become the first ever WNBA Sixth Woman of the Year award winner. She finished her playing career. In 2017, as a three-time WNBA champion and entered the coaching world, she is currently an assistant at her alma mater, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Lynette Pearson turns 41, and then also Frank Robinson would have been 87 today, the former great MLB outfielder and manager born in Beaumont, Texas. Robinson made his MLB debut in 1956 with the Reds and won Rookie of the Year. In 1966, in his first year after being traded to the Orioles, he won the Triple Crown something Paul Goldschmidt's trying to do this year. He retired from playing as a 14-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, NL and AL MVP and World Series MVP, inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame in 1989 and received the Presidential Medal of Freeman from George W. Bush in 2005. The great Frank Robinson would have been 87 today. And those are the birthdays in sports today on August the 31st. 2002. It's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. Absolutely. We hope you have a great birthday and a happy birthday. Football is near. Uh, That would be my message to all those birthday out there. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and take our next break. On the other side of this break, retired Ward AMC will join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Jake Crane, host of The J-Boy Show, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call.
Good vibes only on this Wednesday edition of I love this Sports song. Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here today. It is a beautifully hot, sunny day here on the Plains, and um, I have the privilege of doing some weather at the station uh, as you might notice, like every other commercial break, um, I'm very That's fa- you? Yeah. No way. <laughs> um, and uh, I can tell you, though, we're looking ahead at forecast a little bit. Do not fret in the sense of uh, hot weather. A, it's a, a night game inside Jordan Hare Stadium. But B, uh, the projected high on Saturday right now is 84. I think everyone can manage oh, that a little better. But it's also Beautiful. 60% chance of rain, Ryan. I was getting to that part of it, ah. Brooks. Um It'll you can't rain. win in every way. <laughs> so It'll be rainy and driven hair. If we have a lightning delay for a Mercer football game, yep. I may cry. I will yep. also cry. Well, it's it's going to happen, so that's good no, news. I mean, Flo- say that. Florida State had to wait like two hours to play Duquesne. No. So uh, they and, – and let me tell you, I, I'm just going to bring this up. This won't happen because this is uh, the last game of the day, or at least the last time slot here. It won't happen, but – uh, you know what they did at Florida State? Because I guarantee you guys, you don't know. Well, no, you know, Brooks, because yeah. I talked to you about it. But since AC, because it was on ACC Network, since ACC Network was in Chapel Hill for the Carolina Florida A&M game, right? What happened when that game kicked off? Axed Florida State <laughs> out of there. Um, now it did get the benefit of being on like ESPN or ESPN two because the game they were supposed to show also was in a weather delay this oh weekend. So Florida State did actually upgrade onto like one of the big ESPNs for a quarter um, before that that game got resumed. But uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was weather chaos. I think uh, I think Jacksonville State had a delay. That might have been the game that uh, stopped uh, or de- was delayed for Florida State to be on for a little while. So what you're telling me is I need to bring a jacket Saturday. Probably. Yes. I'll have a uh, better idea of the timing of everything Friday. But, right, yes, right, right, uh, right. part of the reason it will not be 90 degrees will because we will have some more cloud cover and not fun clouds. So that's a, a little weather update for you all. But uh, certainly a very dry and warm day uh, today on the Plains. Heat index around 100. So I'm prepared to catch a cold and stand in Jordan Hare. There you go. Awesome. I Yeah, no, absolutely. I um, The Samford game, I want to say – Maybe my freshman year of college, 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, it was misting in 45 to 50. Yeah. And so it was just like this just like sticky. It's just a like, constant just, state just, of feeling yeah. stuff on And, of course, <laughs> Auburn was just, was just leaning on Sanford. And uh, it was just like – I think it's the only Auburn game I've left early. I think I left like – halftime or early third because it's it's the it was the game before mm-hmm. um the iron bowl so it was the the week of thanksgiving so the students were getting out the right. crowd was not full anyway and i was just like yeah i have pride i do want to stay in these stands the whole game and say i did it but at the same time i want to go home yeah <laughs> i got a two-hour drive i just want to get home Facts. um 334-887-341 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine to join us on the auburn bank phone line today reminder at four fifteen. On that Auburn Bank phone line, Andy Bertram will join us today. But we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Good, sir. And uh, thanks for taking my phone call as always. Uh, you haven't really been to a rain game unless you've attended the West Virginia uh, monsoon game. That's fair. I saw that one on TV and it looked, uh, I don't know, depending on your point of view, miserable or very fun. Well, I was there, 
But with the lightning and thunder, my wife kept phoning me on the phone saying, you need to get out of there. I said, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> Some of the student section, and they never left. Nice. Good Steve, dedication. You're a trooper, man. And then we came from behind and won that game. All right. Now, question for you, Ryan. Yep. Have you already sent in an audition tape to the National Weather Channel? I've, I've failed to do that so far. Uh, I, I I still lack the, the degree, though, that I think they would require for me to, to be there, although it would be great. Well, I think you do an excellent job reporting it. You know, you don't embellish anything. You just you know, uh, say it the way it is. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Now, speaking with you, Mr. Ryan, uh, I want to bring up something to you from your uh, website. Uh, I'm sorry, from your uh, uh, webpage in which you talked about your previews and predictions. Yes, and sir. you predicted a rather brutal outcome for us in the Iron Bowl. I think 48 to 14. No, uh, yeah, 42 to 14. Now. Yep, 42 to 14. Now, are you saying, Brian, that we are no better than Mercer? Uh, because last year Alabama played Mercer to a 48 to 14 uh, win. And Mercer, against the, uh, the, the, the team that went to the national championship, Held a tie to 424 yards and five offensive touchdowns. This is according to Stat Tiger. Surely we can match a better Mercer's performance. Um. So it 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 that's the transitive property, and that's not a fair property to associate with college football. The last time the Iron Bowl was in Tuscaloosa, the score was 42 to 13. So I predicted essentially like the exact same score of 2020. 2018, Bama won by 31. Uh, 2016, Bama won by 18. That one was a little close. And then obviously 2014 was the was the really high-scoring game. So I'm just simply saying something that's kind of on par with the last couple of times to Tuscaloosa. I mean, Alabama, when, when Alabama plays those weaker FCS teams or Division One teams, they don't play their starters for four quarters. They play their starters for like two quarters. And then their second string comes in and, you know, bar- barely makes any hay. Usually they, may, they might score like 13, 14 points in two four quarters two full quarters, if, if even that, so just depending on the opponent. So, um, no, Auburn would be far better than them, or Mercer speaking, but uh, that doesn't work exactly like that. Okay, so your point is? My point is that uh, Alabama and Tuscaloosa usually beats Auburn by around that score, at least the last couple of times. Right, right. Okay, well, uh, I get it, but I just was thinking, you know, Mercer, if he held uh, Alabama to 424 yards, and just five offensive touchdowns, surely uh, we, we can uh, better that kind of, kind of performance. All right, well, moving on, uh, gentlemen, let's uh, look at some predictions being made by people. Uh, I mean, and these are scorched earth projections. Uh, and I'm saying, wow, uh, the relentlessness of the pessimism of this uh, Auburn team this year is uh, continuing. Uh, on uh, Auburn Wire's uh, website today, I saw um, – and commentaries from an episode of the uh, the block by Carl Reed and Blake Brockemeyer. Are you familiar with their their names? Not off the top of my head. All right. Well, anyway, in this recent episode of theirs, you can read about it. It's on AuburnWires.com uh, uh, website. One of the gentlemen on there, Carl Reed, says the following: Reed believes that nothing short of a national championship in 2022 or beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa will keep Harson employed on the plane. Brockmeyer had a similar statement. He believes that Auburn has to win the SEC West for uh, Coach Harson to keep his job. Guys, 
guys, if that's what needs to happen, then I guess, you know, Harson needs to go ahead and just call you haul. Yeah, if that's truly the case, which I again I hope not. I'm not in the business of predicting what these very unpredictable people think. Um, I mean, I, I guess that's part of my role, but it's it's very hard to uh, determine what's actually going through the boosters' minds on, on what what they'd like to see. Obviously, they they want control, and obviously they want their guy in there. So, you know, Brian Harson's going to have a season that is or it's going to have to have a season that's close to or undeniably good. And, you know, for some, that might look like having to win the whole shebang, having or at least having to win the SEC West. That might look like being a nine-win team, but having beaten Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa. Um, and, I again, I just – none of us would agree with that. None of us would agree with that's what should need to happen. But the reality for those guys, that, that could be their reality. I, who am I to, to know, again, like what, what reasonable – um, record what would actually persuade them from not doing what we all think they're so desperately wanting to do. So um, I, I, I to hear that, you know, that's that's kind of bold, or at least it should be bold under other circumstances. But it's it's certainly not impossible given given who's making these decisions. Uh, you know, I just thought to me, this is uh, I mean, so. Uh, I mean, it's bolder than anything, and to me, it's just to me extremely unreasonable. Right. The fact that this team, uh, with all the uh, coaching, you know, uh, issues, and with the uh, transfer portal and the guys who are uh, really uh, untested yet, to think this is what's got to happen for Harden to keep his job? Wow. You know, I thought that's a, a bit uh, unrealistic. Uh, it's not unreasonable. All right, I just thought I'd share that with you. Uh, moving on, guys. Of unrealistic uh, predictions. Uh, if you haven't seen this, because I didn't watch game day, uh, my daughter, and then I read uh, some of the prognostications for the uh, playoffs. Did you happen to see the, to me, what I call, he, he's either uh, smoking something, I didn't know what he's smoking, or sniffing something, or huffing something uh, that I need to get a hold of. Doesn't Howard yeah. uh, pick? Did you see those? Oh, I yeah, did. Unfortunately, I did. <laughs> yeah. Now, was he just trying to do clickbait here and get Maybe. Michigan or what? Yeah, know, the man. only thing that I'm not surprised with is that he put Michigan yeah. in because he always he always puts he, Michigan. He in. went to Michigan, you know. That's that's Baylor? his bias. He's a Michigan Texas man. A&M? No, yeah, I yeah. don't know about that. Pittsburgh? No, nah, no. Kenny Pickett's not, not walking through yeah, that door yeah. again. Neither is Addison. Sorry. I mean, technically, he is because it's the same facility. Brooks, that is brilliant. But how dare you? Dang it, man. He is not walking through that tunnel on a Saturday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Brooks got me there. I won't. I won't lie. Say that again, Steve. I'm sorry. How do you explain those kind of picks by Desmond Howard? <sighs> you know, a little bit of bias, a little bit of trying to be uh, bold yeah, and mix it up. Maybe. Uh, I, I mean, know. maybe it's like not. Maybe it's good intention, like just to start conversation. But at the same time, like I, on a serious level, I'm not taking that very civil, uh, very serious. Uh, uh, speaking with the game day crew. Here's another, to me, a bit of a head-scratcher. Did you happen to see or hear Kirk Herbstreet's sleeper SEC team? I did not. No, I didn't either. Who'd you guess? Sleeper. Ole Miss. South Carolina. Oh. Uh, no, no. Any more guesses? Arkansas? It's the SEC West team. Mississippi that State? Arkansas. Miss, yeah. LSU? Ole Miss? I there said. you go. There you go, Ryan. LSU. Really? Interesting. Look, um, 
if if I could take out, let me let me just say this. This is the one defense I'll give. I'm not saying I agree with this, but this is the one defense I'll say. Is that if if in a vacuum, if you said personality did not matter, if you said culture fit did not matter, and you just said this really big school with a lot of talent got this head coach that had a lot of success at another really big school and, and made the playoffs multiple times and won 11 games seemingly every year, you would say that that is an excellent hire and that that team is going to get good probably really quickly. The problem is, is we are not in a vacuum. And so Brian Kelly does have cultural issues trying to mesh uh, in Louisiana, a place that's very culturally proud. And there is issues with, you know, when he is trying so overly hard to blend in when he so clearly does not. And that's what makes this so hard to figure out what will ultimately happen at LSU. Because in a vacuum, Brian Kelly is a really good coach. LSU is a really good program with a lot of talent. When you mesh those two concepts together, you should get a successful pairing. However, that's not everything that goes into it. So, like, I guess Kirk is just taking the side of this is going to end up the culture thing will not matter and, and the fit will not matter. It will be a good fit. So I can see I can at least reason where he's coming for, through or coming from. Excuse me, even if I don't agree with it. Okay, um, I just thought to be you know really LSU. If he'd have picked Arkansas. Or Ole Miss. Sure. Okay. Uh, Phil Steele picked us. Right. That, that's that's out. the beauty of the SEC Western Division after Alabama is that there is a lot of different scenarios for all these different teams having anywhere between really good, respectable years and really disappointing years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, stick, sticking with that, uh, have you seen the uh, ESPN or I can see uh, the Farrell Football Index uh, projections? for who has the toughest schedule in football. I have not. I have some educated guesses, though, but I have not seen it. Who would you say they picked? I know Auburn and Arkansas are going to be up there. I don't know if either one's going to be number one. It might, you know. But Auburn's the, number one. Auburn is number one? Yeah. Okay. Yep, that makes sense. So As uh, usual. Arkansas is right up there, too, I'll tell you that. Just looking at their their schedule, it's not fun either. I mean, when is Auburn never in the top five of the most tough schedules year yeah. after year? Yeah, when you're when you're going to play Alabama and Georgia as a lock every single year, uh, that's already going to put you over about a hundred schools. <laughs> so, so you're really already vying for uh, top, top fifteen yeah, or twenty position 20 status. Yeah, just off those two schools. Forget the fact that there's other top twenty-five teams, and then an occasional pretty big non-conference game too. Uh, just real briefly, I just want to touch on. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation you had, guys, with uh, Justin Ferguson yesterday. And I was struck by his comment that uh, he said pretty emphatically that uh, Finley earned the, the spot. He earned the starting position. And he said pretty pretty emphatically that it, just, it wasn't given to him, that it was at Calzada's uh, to lose, and he lost it. Is that, is that not what you got from hearing him com- comment about that? Oh yeah, no, that's 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 definitely what uh, what Justin was talking about. And um, look, I, I think that uh, obviously on a level he did earn it because I mean he's the guy. Other guys didn't get injured. Other guys didn't. Well, I mean I say that, but Calzada is having a lingering issue. But I mean Finley and the coaches' minds outperformed the other guys. Whatever factor that may have been in play there, you know T.J. Finley was able. It was a competition, and he's going to be the guy. Now there have been some bloggers posting on 247 Sports, who purportedly, you know, portray themselves as having inside sources, uh, of course, anybody could say that, saying that they also have 
been told by some reliable inside sources that uh, expect Robbie Ashford to get 50-50 time uh, in the other uh, game uh, Saturday. Do you see that guy realistically being uh, the case? I don't think it'll be 50-50, but I think it will be a, a tangible amount of time. I think that uh, either, I mean, I, I'll present two scenarios, both of which have Robbie Ashford playing a lot. One, Auburn is dragging their feet and they're looking concerning and they're not playing that well. Well, Robbie Ashford's going to come in at that point if, if Auburn's having some three and outs and, and not scoring at will. Or Auburn does score at will. They have it locked up at halftime and the start of the second half, Robbie Ashford comes out there and he plays at minimum the third quarter, if not more, uh, if not the third quarter and most of the fourth quarter. So I, I think either way, a second quarterback, and it will be Robbie Ashford, uh, will play a quarter plus of this game. Okay, give either your take on this. How long do you expect uh, for Tank Bigsby uh, to be on the field? I think ideally, and I think we had a similar question to this last year when we were talking about these kind of tune-up games. Uh, ideally, I don't want to see Tank touch it more than 15 times. Um, I, I want enough to get him going a little bit, uh, but I don't need him taking 30 hits in a game that you need to win by 40 points. So, uh, look, you give him 10 to 12 carries, you get him a couple passing routes to get him going a little bit, and maybe you ramp it up a little bit more against San Jose State and give them closer to 15 to 20 touches. But I want to be somewhere in that 10 to 15 touch range. Okay, fair enough. And I heard you guys make comments about what you don't want to see or do want to see in the game. Sure. I'll tell you, I don't want to see uh, many, if any, uh, you know, self-inflicted errors. Right. Like, you know, bad snaps. Agreed. Uh, and, I, and I'm concerned about that because, you know, we've got a person who's not been our center, right? Uh, yes. And that's Tate. Uh, and so I hope we don't get any – because I read during practice sessions there were some uh, um, miscues uh, in snapping the ball. I know you, you read that, guys, right? Um, I did not read that. Uh, that would be very concerning information to read, though, if you were reading that. But, no, I've, I've, not, uh, I've not actually seen that. Yeah, I read that during one of the, uh, the uh, scrimmages. So that was concerning. Then people being misaligned. Hopefully those things won't be happening. Definitely read the misaligned part because that's that's one of the things that uh, people felt that T.J. Finley won the job because of is because he knew uh, where everyone was supposed to be, got things corrected, where the other quarterbacks were a little more unsure of how to adjust the play if someone was misaligned. Yeah, and I definitely want to see an improvement in completion. If he can't get at least, I'll say, what, 60 65% completions right. uh, against Mercer, then we probably got – uh, maybe some trouble on the head, right? Yeah, no, he, he cannot be flirting with fifty or fifty-five percent. He needs to be well over sixty. Ideally, you want to see you want to see a line like I'm just throwing this out there. You want to see something like fourteen of eighteen for two forty and and a few, couple touchdowns. That's what you want to see because again, you're not going to have a full game of stats. You're going to have ideally six to eight drives because ideally you're going to score five six touchdowns in those drives and then turn it over to the second string, but. Um, you you want to see something where you have a solid yards per completion that's well over 10 against a weaker opponent like this, and then you want to see uh, – you don't want to see the need to have to throw it. Same thing with Tank Bigsby um, in that you don't want to need to have to throw it like 30 times in this game. You want to be able to have those 20-yard chunk plays that you can have a, a five-play, 80-yard drive out of type of scenario. Right, and uh, I'm going to be looking for this too Saturday night. Uh, Cornstadt Tiger, uh, elite teams – and those who make the playoffs uh, in the past five years, you look at these stats, do extremely well on first down play and first down yardage. So I'm going to be seeing, you know, 
how well do we do on first downs, you know, against this kind of a team? Because if we are imagining three or four yards, that's not good. Sure. And uh, um, with that, then I want you just a slide of just it's sports related, and it had to do with something I mentioned uh, I think a few days ago, and this is under the category of some people have way too much money. At least in my estimation. This, and last thing for us, Steve, because we do only have sure. about a minute or a minute and a half left. Yep. Mickey Mantle, his car sold for a record $12.6 million at auction. Ooh. Now, that's nothing to sneeze at. But here's what I'm getting at. I read further details about this. And the card that was auctioned was originally uh, owned back in 1996 and bought by somebody for $50,000. Is that bit of a uh, good investment on that person's part? Uh, yeah, that is a lot of percent uh, increase on the value of that card. But just imagine having $12.6 million at your discretion. Yeah, that's not what I would spend it on. I'll just be forthcoming with you there. Um, I would be doing a plethora of other things that would not be buying yeah. a singular baseball card, as cool as it might be. All right, guys, uh, Tiger Talk, will that be on your station or the sister station tomorrow night? It'll be on 93.9, so our sister station. Okay, good. All right, guys, uh, any of you guys going to the game? Uh, in I'm varying going. capacities, I believe so, yes. I, I don't think I am as of this moment. That could change, but uh, – Yes, Cam said he's going. Brooks will be going. Uh, we will have people out there. Okay, take ponchos. All right, with that said, guys, thanks for your time. My time, and all, I know, is always way up. But, again, you have a safe afternoon and evening. And we'll talk to you again soon. Until then, War Eagle, guys. Appreciate, War Eagle. Appreciate that phone call, Steve, as always. Uh, and that will about do it for hour number one. Good stuff right there um, from retired War Dam Steve here to, to close hour number one. And a reminder – uh, not in the first segment, but at 4.15, so second segment of hour number two, Andy Bertram, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, will join us, and he'll give you a little bit of a preview of Tiger Talk, uh, which will be at Baumhauer's Victory Grill tomorrow night, and then also a preview of the Tiger Tailgate Show. We'll also ask Andy some questions about how he spent his offseason, so to speak, and how excited he is for the upcoming Auburn football season. That and more coming up in hour number two with Brooks Childress and Cam Berry. I'm Ryan Lavoy. We'll be back in just a moment with more Sports Call on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. 
We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two kicking off here on this Wednesday afternoon. Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm filling in for J.J. Jackson today as he has Auburn Volleyball in Neville Arena. Auburn taking on Alabama State, so he'll be on the call of that one. I'm joined by Cam Berry and Brooks Childress here this afternoon on this beautiful Wednesday in Auburn, Alabama. And uh, we just, that's, look, one hour of the showdown, one hour closer to Auburn football. We're now, we can now start to get into the hour counter, honestly, because at what, six o'clock, it's going to be 72 hours. So right now you can say 74 hours. Not that anyone's keeping track. Um, (laughs) We're all keeping track. Um, So ready. So we're getting there. And then we also got uh, some college football tomorrow night. We might hit on a little bit later in the show um, as uh, some some more in-state teams play. Uh, I think a couple ranked teams hit the stage the first time. So, well, college football is here. It is here. Uh, talking season over, football season here. So, uh, that's great news. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com. For more information, your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender, give us a call and join sports call at 334-887-341 locally. Or toll-free, one tiger 9 Auburn Bank is our pro- proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. With that, let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time in our number two. Terry from Auburn. Terry joins us. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are y'all today? Doing very well. Good. I haven't heard this talked about much, but I think it bears mentioning. If it has been mentioned, I'm sorry. Uh, but, but we've all talked at length about the pressure on Brian Harson this year. And, and But there's been very little talk about the fact that he's got an offensive coordinator who's very inexperienced in this conference and a quarterback who's largely been labeled as a loser and not very efficient. What kind of pressure do you guys think that amounts on Ron Harson? Plus, he can't recruit. I, I don't think those are the – I think on the, his OC and, and obviously the quarterback brings pressure because that's something everyone really points to. I don't think a lot of people um, really talk about Eric he saw a lot uh, as the OC just because like it, it it's not something where if, if Auburn fails Brian Harson's gone and it doesn't matter where if, if it was Keysaw or Schmetting or or what went wrong like if Auburn goes five and seven six and six seven and five they're gonna fire him and it, it doesn't really matter you know who's the culprit what's all to blame um and so Normally, if you're trying to go through a multi-year thing, I think you're looking more at the corners. But I think everyone agrees. It's like he got someone with SEC experience. Now, everyone didn't love Mike Bobo, and that would be very fair to do that. But he went the SEC experience route. He didn't like what he saw there. And though now he's going to his uh, the, the more comfortable route. And will that pay off? I don't know. And I think it'd be fair. It's, it's certainly fair to wonder. But at the same time, if he's in this gotta win now mode and he's in this mode where he needs a year this year i would rather personally just as the same turn to people i trust because i've only got one more crack at this well i'm going to respectfully disagree with you on the the last year i think i think mason and both were kind of forced on him by some of the old guard for the sec experience i don't know i just don't believe that brian harson ever would have went down that route with bobo and mason if he unless he just didn't have to i just think that was part of the deal i do 
Now, I'm, and and you know, you guys know me. I'm not a Brian Harsick supporter. A Brian Harsin supporter. I'm sorry. Well, so and, I, and and but I'm not disagreeing with you there, but nevertheless, that those were the those were the hires. I mean, right, the, those right, were those were the right. guys. And so, if you've now got a second shot at those guys, because it, clearly Bobo was not staying, and then Derek Mason opted to leave, then mm-hmm. then you've got this decision to make, and. No matter who you know, how much influence he's he's following. Clearly, he's not listening to any influence now when he makes these hires. Um, you know, I, if I'm hiring someone, I'm hiring my guy, whoever yep. that guy is. And and look, he's obviously they're, they're far different than the the guys that were here last year. But look, I, I think it's a part of the criticism as you, to go back to the original question, but. At the same time, like I don't think anyone's going to say there's 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 so many things here. I don't think anyone's going to say if Auburn fails this year. Well, if Brian Harson would have hired someone else at offensive coordinator, it would have been completely different because it would have been two different OCs in two years. And I think that obviously the the quarterback is going to be talked about more. Um, the, the blown leads last year will be talked about more. Just game management, just as a whole, and as you mentioned, recruiting as well. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a non-issue, but I just think there's other issues at hand. And yeah, and yeah, just heard in, in the, the top of the hour there the comments by T.J. Finley about he wasn't mentally prepared last year, wasn't physically prepared last year. He's going to have to prove that to me and everybody else out there, quite honestly. Because I, and I've said it on record, I'll say it as many times as I have to. I think if Robbie Ashford gets on the field, he never gets his job back. Right. I think he is so tantalizing athletically, and he will he will save Brian Harson's job, and T.J. Finley can't do that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I definitely see there's appeal to Ashford. I, I simply like running guys more uh, as well. we got to see what Ashford looks like as a passer, um, obviously, and that's going to be the key thing here. And, look, again, you know, Ashford's going to clearly be the best runner of anyone that was in the mix for the job, and we know that, and that's going to be really exciting. But at the same time – you know, I go back a few years ago, this might be an extreme example, but it's like, all right, there's some people, and I'm, I don't know who they are, but uh, or excuse me, I, I don't know if, if you were one of them or, or, or any of us were not really one of them, but there were definitely people out there that wanted to see what John Franklin III would look like at quarterback because of how fast and athletic he was. But it turned out he had no idea how to throw football in the SEC. And so that is still at least possible with Ashford. We'll, you know, we'll get to see because as we've talked about earlier in the show, he's going to play against Mercer and he's probably going to play against San Jose State too uh, at some point. So we're going to get to see him and we're going to start to figure out this passing game. But at least for now, there's just so many questions again with, with the passing element. Not that TJ Finley is is amazing at throwing the football because obviously that's where his he's got issues there too, but. At some level, Ashford's going to have to be at least a respectable passer for his run game to matter. Well, I mean, T.J. Finley comes out there and he's throwing the ball three feet in front of the receiver, two feet behind him, and five feet over the head. It's going to make it even tougher to keep playing him. And and it, he's going to get a lot of criticism, especially from guys like me. Sure. So, you know, case 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 in point. But I, I just think this season is, is important for him on the field because he's got to recruit. We've got to win some of those 50-50 battles, guys. There's guys leaving the state. Uh, like I said earlier today uh, on the Max Roundtable, um, there, there was there's there's guys on there's guys. You fall is what an hour up the road. You fall, uh, yeah, it's about an hour yeah. south of here. Yeah. yeah, and there's a guy leaving there to go to Georgia Tech, an offensive lineman. Now Auburn needs offensive linemen. Right. Well, that's that's about it. they've got to win, guys. They've got to win. Those are the those, those are the kind of fifty fifty be fifty fifty battles. And oh, by the way, this is about as good a year in the state of Alabama as you could ever hope for in high school football. 
I don't think that's a secret to anybody, and that's what bothers me. Um, you know, they're not winning these 50-50 battles. And okay, so they got a wide receiver, and so they got a running back. Great, fantastic. But you know what? I ain't never seen. I've never witnessed a receiver catching a pass from a quarterback laying on his rear end. Have y'all? Nope. Exactly. So I can't. I can't understand what the love fest there is. And then we got to have offensive linemen, and you can't lose. Guys like that to Georgia Tech. Now, I don't know if he's that great or not. I don't know if he's, he's a three- or four-star. But, heck, the Auburn needs, they need offensive linemen badly. But they lose four out of five this year. Right. Obviously, with all the experience coming back, that means they'll all be gone the next year. Yep. I mean, that, that, that blows my mind. I just can't, I can't fathom. That's like the people that just refused to get out of 1984 saying you win with great defense. No, you don't. No, that just doesn't happen nowadays. This is an offensive game we live in now. It just is. That's just the way it works. Sure, sure. So I don't know. I just like I said, there's a lot of pressure on him, and that just seems to add to the pressure when you got an offensive coordinator who is relatively inexperienced in this conference and a quarterback who's had maybe a couple of good games, I guess maybe. Yeah, certainly struggled uh, last year. That's for sure. Right. So I mean, I just don't understand it. So I mean, it, it like I said, there's no pressure on the man to to, to begin with, but that's certainly adding to it. Yeah. No. No disagreement. I mean, there's a lot of angles that are. Are not helping Brian Harson kind of coming out here from the links. Yeah. Since you're doing a countdown to the first game, are you doing a countdown to when he gets fired? Uh, no, we're not going to be doing that mm-hmm. one. Okay. Not, not quite. That would be up to me, I guess. You guys have a great day. You too, Terry. Appreciate the phone yeah. call. That is our Auburn Bank phone line. Terry joining us there right now. And uh, now we're going to go ahead and take our next break of the show because on the other side, we'll go back to the Auburn Bank phone line. Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers, will join us. That's next. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Brooks Childress with you here this afternoon. And we are very pleased to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line at this time and are joined by the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Burcham. Andy, how are you, my friend? Gentlemen, I'm doing very well on this beautiful Wednesday. (laughs) Getting ready for game week, man. I guess we're here at game week. Get ready for game day. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. It's a very exciting time. We can't stop talking about it, obviously. And, Andy, before we get into the nuts and bolts of this season and what excites you about this team and and just a new opportunity, I want to go back to this summer just because you as a broadcaster, I mean, obviously you've got other responsibilities that people don't see behind the scenes, but – being the voice of the Auburn Tigers, when the Auburn Tigers are not playing, then it's a little bit less of a chaotic time. So how did you spend the time this summer and kind of get ready for a new season? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and, and this summer was condensed a little bit because of Auburn's run to the College World Series uh, and, and playing deep into uh, to June. And that's terrific. 
Uh, believe me, I'm not complaining. That was a great trip by that team, by Butch Thompson's team to, to Omaha, Nebraska. I hope we're, we're making Omaha just a, a habit uh, moving forward. But uh, it, it's like I told my wife, Jan. We got married in 2004, and I said, Honey, I can guarantee you there's one month of the year where I do not call games, and that's the month of July. And so that's when we got married. It is <laughs> the one month that we can travel, and we spent some time in New York City, saw a couple shows, and uh, now we're getting ready for, for the start of another athletic season. And, of course, we kicked it off with Tiger Talk last Thursday night. Tiger Talk tomorrow night will be at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. And then Saturday, it's the opener between the Tigers and the Mercer Bears. Absolutely, Andy. And as we look ahead towards this season, look, so much noise in the offseason, we all know that. But how exciting is it just to get back to why we t- why the noise exists? Because like at the heart of it, we're talking football and we're talking these sports. And, and Auburn, obviously, being the proud program that it is, has high expectations as it does every year. And But it has a lot of doubters this year. So what excites you about just seeing this team on the field and having some of these questions that have been talked about at nauseum, just what excites you about about this season finally arriving? Well, tell me a season where there haven't been doubters about Auburn sure. football. Sure, yeah. I couldn't uh, find it you happened, one. It happens every year, and there have been plenty of those this year. So it should be nothing new for the Auburn fan base, the Auburn family, and this Auburn team. The, the best thing about all of this is it doesn't matter what everyone else says. Because starting Saturday, Auburn gets to determine its, its, its own future. It gets to play the games, and it starts with Mercer. And it gets to start to answer the questions at quarterback with T.J. Finley and Robbie Ashford and Zach Calzada. It starts to answer the questions about who steps up for Auburn at wide receiver. We get to start to see how this offensive line will be without a Nick Brahms at center. We get to see a healthy Hank Bigsby and uh, Jarquez Hunter. And we get to see, I think, a really good Auburn defense that is stout up front. And so they get to play on Saturday. And we we get after Saturday, then we talk about game one, and we get ready for game two at that point. The best thing is, finally, these guys get to hit somebody in another shade of orange on the other side of the field. And, uh, Andy, um, at the beginning of the show, Ryan asked us about the Mercer game and, and what we're expecting for um, just kind of what we're expecting to see. Obviously, Auburn is favored to win by a lot, um, but I kind of wanted to ask you that question as well. What are you expecting just to to come out um, to come out of this game for uh, the Auburn Tigers? Well, I mean, you want Auburn to win, all right? Let, let's not take any, let's not assume anything at this point. Two, you want this team to be healthy when it comes out of game one against Mercer. And you want to see this team execute. You want to see this team be crisp offensively with T.J. Finley at quarterback. You want to see Auburn establish the run game with Tank and Jarquez and uh, and Damari coming out of that backfield. You want to see that tight end group continue to play well, led by the record-setting John Samuel Schenker, who's one of Auburn's three team captains, permanent Captains. And you want to say someone step forward, whoever it is, in that wide receiver core. Is it Chick Dawson or Javarius Johnson or Malcolm Johnson or Camden Brown or Shed Jackson or whomever at this point? And I want to see this Auburn defense play as well as I think they can 
at this point. I like this Auburn defense. I think it's better than many are giving them credit for being. I think it's very good up front. We all want to see how Auburn executes opposite Owen Papo at the linebacker spot with Ricochet Rabbit gone, Zacoby McClain gone, and in the NFL at this point. So all of that, there's, there's a lot to watch with this Auburn team against the Mercer team that hung 63 on Moorhead State last week. And Andy, a I, I, question I want to ask you here, because this is something that we debate sometimes, if it's if it's better to have your big non-conference game in week one or, or maybe a couple weeks down the line. Because on some level, you get so excited for college football. And look, it's important to say what you just said. Like You still don't want to take any win for granted. But at the same time, all these questions people have and all these sentiments are, are just not going to feel like they're, they're answered or they're fulfilled uh, when you play a team like Mercer to start the year. But some years, there's a big team like we've seen Oregon in recent years, and, we, and we've seen Washington, and just seen these big games at the beginning of the year. So I wonder where you fall on the spectrum of do you prefer to have a couple of games that maybe people are, are not as excited about or at least not going to draw as much attention to, or do you want to see uh, the, the big non-conference game, so to speak, uh, be week one of the year? Well, I guess it just depends on how the schedule. I mean, you know, it's unusual that Auburn starts this year with five straight at home. We haven't seen that in a long, long time. So that that is different. And even with Mercer on the schedule, an FCS school, a good FCS school, this is still as good a schedule, as tough a schedule, as you're going to find in the country. I mean, Auburn still has to go to Georgia. It still has to go to Alabama. It still has to go to Mississippi State at Ole Miss. It still gets Missouri and Arkansas and Texas A&M coming to Auburn. And, oh, by the way, Penn State in week three. This schedule's plenty tough, regardless of when Auburn plays those teams. So, listen, I, you know, we, we, we saw back in 2019, Auburn opened up with Oregon, and it, and it worked out well for the Tigers. Last year, Auburn played a really good game against Akron in week one. I, I will tell you, I think Auburn learned from both of those situations. This is the schedule that Auburn has. Let's play it, and let's see what happens. So road venues this year, Andy, one of my favorite things to ask a broadcaster because they get to travel a lot is is just what road venue you enjoy the most, whether it's the actual town you're going to or the press box or the stadium. So of the road games this year, which obviously there's only four of, which road venue are you most excited to go to this year? I think I'm excited to go to Georgia. One, I mean, this is a Georgia team that is the defending national champ. It, it will be an electric atmosphere at Sanford Stadium in Athens. And it's Auburn's first road game. Five straight at home. I think we'll all be ready to be on the road at that point. They all present different challenges. Ole Miss, what will Ole Miss be like in week six, or excuse me, week seven of the season? By the time Auburn gets to Mississippi State, we'll know a lot more about this Auburn team. And that's a Mississippi State program that handed Auburn, other than maybe that Alabama game in, in overtime last year, I thought that was one of the hardest losses to stomach a year ago was that was Mississippi State coming back and winning at Jordan Air Stadium. And then you've got Alabama and that's that's the Iron Bowl and you know, that that's always a special. I'm not sure I look forward to going to any of these stadiums any more than the other. They will all be very big challenges for Auburn. 
I have, I wouldn't be surprised if those four games that Auburn plays on the road, Auburn is the road dog in every one of them. And so Auburn, I think, can, can work with that. So they're all great towns. They're good stadiums. They're very good teams. And uh, we won't see any of them <laughs> until week six. And as you think about the first broadcast of this year, or at least the first broadcast inside of Jordan here Stadium, obviously doing some Tiger talk, and we'll we'll plug that in just a moment. But thinking about just getting back and calling football again, because look, you call a lot of things here, obviously, Andy, a lot of basketball games, and as you mentioned, a very long run through the NCAA tournament in baseball. But going back to the sport of football, what is your favorite thing about the sport of football in terms of just broadcasting it? Well, it's, it's, it's such an event at Auburn. Game day at Auburn and elsewhere, but certainly at Auburn, is such an event. And it, everything for the week leads up to that Saturday. For Auburn this, this Saturday, it'll be Saturday night. Uh, next week, it'll be Saturday night. Game three, it's Saturday afternoon against Penn State. But the folks that, that come into this town, the folks that will be tailgating starting well, they, they can start to tailgate, I think, as early as Thursday, tomorrow, in the hayfields. And we'll see RVs roll up just outside my window as early as Friday at 11 o'clock. So you've got the game day atmosphere. And I get here early. I'm here typically about five hours before game time. I love to soak it in, get in the stadium, get set up in the booth, and walk next door to Neville Arena and have a bite to eat with the crew. And then we walk as a group over to the east side of Jordan-Hare Stadium and start our pregame programming, which is 3 o'clock on Saturday, the uh, Tiger Tailgate Show presented by Connected Sausage. Have a great lineup for you that, that we already have scheduled for Saturday. And then we're back in the booth, and you've got the Eagle Flight, and the, you watch the Auburn University Marching Band come out onto the field. There isn't any place like Jordan-Hare Stadium on a Saturday or what it used to be a Thursday. We don't do that anymore. So it, it's a unique atmosphere it's such a magical event, regardless of how the game is. And that's what I look forward to the most. And then getting down to the game. Listen, I, I got into this business for the games, to call the games. And I get the opportunity to call Auburn Mercer Saturday night. Auburn Mercer, 6 o'clock on Saturday night. But as you said, Andy, the Tiger Tailgate Show will start at 3 o'clock, and of course, right here in our sister station in the Auburn Opelika area on 93.9. And of course, Tiger Talk tomorrow night. So, Andy, give us the plug for what's going on with Tiger Talk on Thursday night and the Tiger Tailgate Show leading up to kickoff on Saturday. All right. Tomorrow night, we'll be at Baumhauer's Victory Grill. We'll be there for every home game week. Uh, so, five straight weeks at Baumhauer's Victory Grill starting at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Coach Harson will be joining us there. We look forward to to that. Also, Brent Crouch, Auburn volleyball coach, will be joining us. He will start the show. Of course, the Tigers play tonight at, at Neville Arena against Alabama State at 7. I know J.J. is getting ready for that telecast on SEC Network+. Plus. Uh, Jeremy Roberts will also be joining us. An Auburn player will we'll let you know who that Auburn player is tomorrow, but he's already had a big week, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, but uh, Jeremy Roberts will also join. We'll just talk about are there any big differences in game day at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Then Saturday, uh, let's see, uh, right now scheduled to be with us starting at 3 o'clock on the east side of Jordan-Hare Stadium on the stage. It's already set up. Uh, let's see, joining us, Mike Jernigan, who wrote the book about George Petrie, uh, the, the man, that the author of the Auburn Creed, Auburn's first ever football coach. Mike will be joining us. 
Rashawn Frost, a former Auburn defender whose son is now on the Mercer Ball Club, will be joining us. Uh, Gerard Powers is set to join us. Randy Campbell, former Auburn quarterback, set to join us, among others. And uh, just another opportunity to work with Brad Law and Stan White and Ronnie Brown, Jason Campbell, Britt Bowen, Jacob Hillman, Patrick Tisdale, Gene Dulaney, Ben Harling, and, and certainly who will be with us throughout this season in spirit is Paul Ellen. So there you go. That, it's a big, big opening week, and I can't wait to get to it. We'll get to start it tomorrow night on Tiger Talk at 6. We're all very excited, Andy, and, and Andy, the time is greatly appreciated today, and we look forward to hearing you voice another season of Auburn football. Thanks for the time today. My pleasure, guys. I can't wait. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is Andy Bertram joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Let's take our next time out of the show today. More sports call after this. Do you want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger continuing on this Wednesday afternoon Tiger 95.9 the Tiger.fm or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast which is brought to you by Coca-Cola if you ever miss Sports Call Live if you want to hear something again make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk Coca-Cola taste the feeling I've been on the cherry coke train recently. cherry coke mm. interesting I haven't I don't like cherry remember. coke. No, I I'm, don't even remember the last time I had a coke. I've been trying to think. Oh, <laughs> trying to get off the soda. I haven't, dude. It. Honestly, I haven't. I love coke, really, but I haven't drank a, a coke in a in a long time. Um, I do, however, drink Sprite. Okay, big Sprite coke guy. product. Yeah, Sprite and Orange Fanta, two drinks nice. that I definitely live by. <laughs> nice. There you go. Um, yeah. No, I'm a. I I love coke. Um, I go. I've, my favorite's vanilla Coke. I go that route every single time that there's a Coke freestyle machine, right. it feels like. Oh, yeah. Uh, cherry Coke is a solid second. Of course, original Coca-Cola. I got I got some glass-bottled Cokes at home. Just nice. regular Coca-Colas. They're great. Um, just hits a little different when it's in glass. Oh, and true. it also keeps a little longer, too. Agreed. Under, agreed. Underrated part of that, too. I've, I've had orange Fanta in a, in a glass bottle. Uh-huh. Very good. Solid. Very, very good. Um, look, taste the feeling at the end of the day. <laughs> Three three four eight eight seven thirty four one locally toll free one triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line at this time. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing? Uh, what's up, guys? What's going what's, on? What's up? Hey, um, so it's Brent, Cam, and Ryan, right? It, Ryan and Cam right now. Brooks just stepped out of the studio. He's also on the show, but just not at the moment. It's Ryan and Cam right now. Hey, Brooks owes us ten dollars. Brooks owes us $10. Brooke, I'll tell him when he gets I back would, here. Yes, definitely let him know. Hey, 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 have you guys tried live wire Mountain Dew? Live wire? Uh, 
I, have I not. don't think so. It is good. You got to try it. I love Mountain Dew. I'll, I'll drink. I will also drink Mountain Dew every once in a while. So I'll. I should. I got to give that a shot. Yeah, you gotta get wire. Live. It's called live wire Mountain Dew. It's like orange. Live wire it's, Mountain. It's, it's, it's where the co- where the Corvette is and the voltage. Right. And the, and said, so, hey, I got a question for you guys. What do you guys think about uh, Troy and Ole Miss? Yeah, you um, know. That's uh, that's interesting. Ole Miss ha- going to have a new quarterback, new running back, a couple new receivers. Uh, have, have they announced who their quarterback's going to be? No, they have not. Uh, it's still – I think they're right. going to play both Altmeyer and Jackson Dart. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think Troy will hang around for a little bit, but I think Ole Miss will ultimately be able to pull away. Ole Miss has just that wonderful offensive scheme that Lane Kiffin's brought there. And so, uh, you know, I think Troy is usually not a team that just gets – Get slammed, so they'll they'll have a respectable quarter or two. But I think Ole Miss will ultimately win the game. Well, Cam, I got a question for you. I read it on the on my computer, and I don't know how smart knows this, but he thinks he knows who Oregon's quarterback is going to be. He thinks it's going to be Bo Nix. How does Kirby Smart know that? Well, I'm I think he's just kind of going off last year and how how UGA or not UGA excuse me how Oregon played and how they struggled with their quarterback play last year they actively went out and got Bo Nix to be the presumed starter so you can just kind of go from there and assume that he's probably going to be the one that's going to be taking taking snaps for Oregon so what so what do you guys think so it's Cam and Brent now right Cam and Ryan okay and Ryan so, Cameron Ryan, what do you guys think about the Florida game, uh, the Arkansas game, the Kentucky game, and then the Auburn, the Auburn Mercer game, and then the Alabama game? So, what do you guys think about those games? Uh, a lot of difficult matchup, uh, difficult matchups. Some, some here and there. Definitely for uh, for Florida, they have a big test against Utah, who's favored to uh, kind of take the Pac-12 there. Um, you know that's that's just going to be a tough test. Um, what Auburn? I mean, playing Mercer that should be a a blowout. We kind of assume for for Auburn, um, but you know it'll be fun to watch because it's football season and and we're ready to see Auburn out there on the field. What, what do you guys think about Bama and Arkansas and Kentucky games this week? Yeah, so for for Alabama, I mean they. Uh, they're obviously this week playing Utah State. I, I do not think Alabama will have a, a problem with Utah nah. State. The Arkansas-Cincinnati game, though, is really intriguing. Cincinnati lost a lot off of a really great team. But Luke Fickle's done a good job at Cincinnati over multiple years now. So I think there's still a base level that you can expect Cincinnati to play like. Also, just having played Alabama last year, they're going to know what the SEC is about right. a little bit. On the yep. flip side of that, Arkansas is going to have a really good offensive line. They've got a good quarterback in K.J. Jefferson, and it is in Fayetteville. It is at Arkansas. So I kind of lean Arkansas on this one, but I'm really intrigued to watch the game. So what do you guys think about the Mississippi State game? Uh, Mississippi State and Memphis this week. Memphis actually beat Mississippi State last year, and that controversial was the punt return uh, allowed or disallowed game. But Memphis overall last year was not as good as they've been. They had a run of five or six years where uh, Mike Norvell, who's now at Florida State, and then Justin Fuente, who's recently fired from Virginia Tech, really got Memphis to a consistent borderline top 25 team for five to six years. But last year they were not nearly as good. So I think Mississippi State I think Mississippi State will have no problems with this one. I actually think they're going to win by a couple touchdowns, uh, unlike last year. 
Okay, I'm going to go back to the Auburn game. And um, say that Finley gets hurt. Okay, so you have for, you have the backup quarterback. You have um, Robbie Ashford. So, yeah. And so, but Texas A&M quarterback's hurt. So say that Ashford gets hurt. Don't you bring in, say that Timmy gets hurt, TJ Finley gets hurt, and Ashford comes in. That means, and then God's on, he can't play because he's still hurt. Does that mean you probably bring the freshman quarterback in? If it got all the way to that point, then yes, he's fourth on the depth chart. But also, just be, Zach Calzada is not a hundred percent, but he is able to play from everything we've heard. He he would not be held out. He, um, it, while you know, like I said, the shoulder ailment uh, has, has bothered him. He would still be available to play if needed. So, I know there's a long the third. I'm talking. I got a question about the third game, and then I probably want to do the tear. I probably do the tear. I don't know, but say the third game, do you still see the guys on guys out of play in the uh, for a starter for Penn State, or do you see TJ Finley? Cause I asked like uh, JJ and um, Tom and Ryan this question too, and they said that TJ Finley still be the starter. But do you guys probably see? Guy John would be a starter against Penn State? No, I think it would be T.J. Finley. Um, if Finley's won the job out of camp now uh, and Robbie Ashford is second string for now, uh, unless something crazy happens in these first two games like an injury or just really terrible performance, they're going to stick with what they've decided at the beginning of the year, which is going to be T.J. Finley. So I may, you know, maybe there's a scenario out there that's somewhat reasonable that Robbie Ashford ends up starting it. Like I said, if Finley does play really poorly or if he is injured, but Calzada is third on the depth chart, so he will not be starting that Penn State game. So do you guys see? Do you guys see any maybe like a tank or someone running a wildcat this year? I'm sure there'll be a player two here and there. Um, it's always fun to watch wildcat, but I don't think it'll be a part of every game. So who do you think will probably be a wildcat if they have? Okay. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll get Tank Bigsby to, to receive the snap, and then they might put someone like Jarquez Hunter beside him or maybe one of their fast receivers like Javarius Johnson, something like that. All right. So, hey, what do you guys, like, uh, what do you guys, for high school picks, what do you guys think about the Tallahassee game this Friday and the rest of the high school game probably? Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I, I don't know too much about the high school games going on this weekend. We've been so involved with, with college football and, and some pro football as well. But I, I certainly encourage people to go out to the high school games and enjoy some some Friday night action. And there'll be big games. But I, I don't know. I don't know who to pick there. Well, last question: How is Sunny Deshera? Yep. Doing for the in the minors with the uh, trash? How's uh, he doing? Pretty well. Uh, I think he had a walk-off, actually, the other night. Um, so he's played well by all accounts. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he's drawing his walks. He's getting on base. He's doing a lot of the things he did at Auburn. So what do you guys think about Auburn and Carvigan and North Carolina? I asked JJ this question, too. The North Carolina um, athletic director from North Carolina coming off. Uh, Bubba Cunningham, I, I don't know if Auburn's going to be getting the athletic director from, from North Carolina. Um uh, North Carolina is also a really good job, obviously, for, for different uh, reasons than just football. Um, and, you know, it's obviously been a great basketball program for a long time. Bubba Cunningham has been at Carolina for a long time, so I do not anticipate Bubba Cunningham having interest in the Auburn job. Who do you think they'll get? 
Who do, who do you think they'll get? Seen some names out there. I'm not sure that, that anyone is quite in the lead yet. Uh, also, a lot of people are going to have opinions on what type of person. Uh, it's probably going to be someone that has ties to the board of trustees or, or some of the power brokers at Auburn, but uh, don't know uh, who will come out of there with it. Well, what a, I want to Last thing for us, Matt, and then we need to let you go. What, what, I, my score, I think his score would be uh, 49, 49 to 13. For Bam, uh, for Bam, Bam scored fifty-nine to fourteen, but I, I think Auburn scored like forty-nine to thirteen. What do you guys? What's what your guys' score on that game? Yeah, on the Bama game, I, I think that's a pretty good score. Um, I, I wouldn't mind agreeing with you there. Uh, for Auburn Mercer, I think something around fifty-two to three, something in that range would would make a lot of sense. It's Auburn really throttled their weaker opponents last year, so they should beat Mercer pretty handily. What do you think about Cam? Yeah, I agree with you on the Bama score for sure, um, and and I'm I'm right there with Ryan, honestly, on about a 52, maybe a 60 to three game on on the lines of that, uh, along the lines of that. Well, hey, have you guys talked to uh, Javon Reedley? Uh, we we've uh, we've spoke to him a little bit yeah. off and on. Uh, he's certainly around he's a busy Auburn, guy. but he's exactly very busy. So, um, he's got him. Next time you come on the show next time and tell them I want to talk to them. All right, we will do that, Matt. Are you guys ready for this year? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get it. Five, Five four, three, two, one. War Eagle. Hey. Beat Bama. Booyah. Damn, I got one second. Jordan, I'll knock you guys out. Booyah. Hey, you tell Brooke that he better be on the show on Tuesday. And you guys have a nice Labor Day. You too, you too Matt. Matt. And War Eagle. War, War Eagle. Eagle. We appreciate that phone call. That is Matt from Tallahassee, Matt for Auburn. Calling us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Just a few seconds left here in hour number two. And it was a busy hour number two on our Auburn Bank phone line. And if you missed any of that, go back and listen to it on our Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. Do it. And, uh, yeah, I think the score predictions, obviously, are going to be quite uh, with a, one team with a lot of points a for some, to some a of little. these and uh, not a lot of points for the other teams. But uh, that's kind of how it goes when you're playing some FCS competition or, or lower FBS competition. Out of time for our number two. In our number three, do you want to hit on one more college football item, maybe two in our number three. But also we got to get to our NFC South and AFC South previews. All week long we've been previewing the National Football League and the various conferences. We're going south in our number three, NFC and AFC style in the National Football League. That and more coming up. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM 620 WTRP, LaGrange. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of the third show of the week. Tiger 95.9 at the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy with Cam Berry and Brooks Childress today, filling in for J.J. Jackson, who is going to be doing Auburn Volleyball at Neville Arena here in just a little while. Uh, as they take on the Alabama State Hornets. This is Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It is Sports Call here on this Wednesday afternoon. We've had a fun first couple of hours as uh, we've we've been doing a lot of different things on the show, previewing college football uh, over the last few weeks, pro- previewing NFL football over the last week or so, which we're about to do in just a moment. But first, yes. if you missed any of the show so far... We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Yeah, so here's the things. Um, we we talked to Andy Bertrand, the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Sure did. It was a fun conversation as he gets sent for another year as the voice of the Auburn Tigers. Also, don't want to miss uh, from Baumhauer's Victory Grill tomorrow night. Tiger Talk on FM Talk 93.9. Or, of course, you can head out to Baumhauer's. And then the Tiger Tailgate Show on FM Talk 93.9 and across the Auburn Sports Network starting at 3 p.m. on Saturday from just outside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. A kickoff shortly after 6 o'clock as Auburn takes on Mercer inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. So we talked to Andy Birch, and we've also had some great phone calls today, talked about what we want to see out of that Auburn and Mercer game. So if you missed any of that, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. We now move on. Cam is very excited about this. Yes. As uh, we're going to talk about the A, I'm just kidding. I was about no, to you with other division. like that. Yeah, I would. I would, but we're not going <laughs> to – I'm not going to be that guy. So – the NFC's South Division is up first on our NFL Divisional Previews today. We're going to preview the NFC South and the AFC South. Last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the division. This year, Bucks, Saints, Panthers, and Falcons go back at it. And so, Cam, what do you see out of this division when you look at it? It is Tampa Bay's to lose, honestly, which is upsetting to say, but it's true. Um, very strong division. I mean, well, very strong that – for them, they are strong in our division. It's not an overall strong division. Just, you know, the Panthers are still going through their own kind of rebuild. The Falcons are also going through a rebuild. Um, and then there's the Saints who are just kind of in the middle there, and they're just kind of trying to make it work with Jameis Winston at quarterback. They have a strong defense. Um, you know, they just traded away uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson just because they couldn't get a deal with him. But they have they added Tyron Matthew, so I mean they just have plenty of talent on that defensive side of the ball, and and just their D line is always stout. Um, Falcons were we are I can say we because I am a diehard fan of the Falcons. We are 
still working through our, our process, still kind of trying to figure out where we're going to go in the direction of quarterback. Um, kind of seems like this year we're going to be rocking with Jim, uh, excuse me, Marcus Mariota um, and uh, see how well he does. He knows Arthur Smith's offense very well. He ran it um, in Tennessee. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we brought him in just to kind of teach Desmond Ritter um, the offense and see if he might be able to take the reins coming next year. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking for, just to see if this offense can progress another year. But, I mean, even last year, a lot of people said that the Falcons weren't going to win more than four games, and they ended up as a seven-win team. Uh, so I see that as optimism in the sense of this team has a lot of belief in their talent and what they can do. You already know you're going to be rocking with Kyle Pitts. You have Cordero Patterson as well, who's back. And you have um, you drafted Drake London. And, and, I mean, he's a big, tall dude. you got two Twin Towers out there that – you can throw the ball up too, and and just see how it, it's going to go. Obviously, Arthur Smith kind of runs a, a typically run heavy offense, uh, so you you are definitely curious to see how how the running backs do. You still have Cordero, but you um you draft Tyler El- uh, Algier out of BYU, and and you just kind of um see how well they do. Uh, so that's just kind of a breakdown of the Falcons, um, and then. With the Panthers, you know, you add Baker Mayfield. That's definitely an upgrade at quarterback. You officially uh, name him the starter, and you want to see where he can take you. Honestly, you have you have a talented offense around you. You just kind of see how, how that protection goes. If 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 Baker can be protected, he's been a good quarterback. I mean, he led the Browns to their first playoff appearance in what twenty years. Yep. Um, so he has that that winning mentality in him. I, he just kind of. I mean, I will say he got screwed over by the Browns. I'll say that. Um, and so you just kind of see where he can take you. Uh, you have a lot of talent, like I said, on the offensive side. You have DJ Moore. You have Christian McCaffrey. Um, and then on the, and on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, just tons of talent. Brian Burns. You have um, two lockdown corners. Of course, they slipped my mind just now. Uh, J.C. Horn and uh, C.J. Henderson. And then um, um, on the D-line, you have Derek Brown and just a whole slew of guys. Uh, did, did I say that correct, Ryan? Yeah, they, they've got on here Dante Jackson is the other starter. Oh, Dante Jackson. Warner, he's but, also he's but, also very but good. But C.J. Henderson is on the He is on there. Game. Yeah, because they traded for him last year, and they had Stephon Gilmore for a s- short period of time yeah, last year too. Um, so a lot, a lot of talent. You know, and then Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay, a, a lockdown top ten defense um, in the league, undoubtedly. Um, and you have Tom Brady at quarterback, and he's just going to be the guy that's going to lead and orchestrate your offense and kind of keep them being the greatness that they are, um, and probably lead them to a playoff spot again, just like last year. Yeah. So when when I look at the division, um, I think you've got you might have a team for every tier. Um, when we when we looked yesterday at the AFC East and the NFC East, when you kind of look at the East for the AFC, I thought it was cool because you had one Super Bowl caliber team, you had two teams vying right in the middle of the pack in the in the yeah. AFC for for maybe a, a third wild card type of spot, second wild card type of spot, and then you had one team that's not very good, and so the Jets have like the worst like. St- 
first nine or ten games of the oh schedule. Gosh, right. I, I looked at it. I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if they win. But then at the same time, you know, they beat the Bengals last year. Right. Um, also beat Tennessee last year. So I don't know. The, don't these know. are still all professional Man, athletes. So crazy. Um, but you have a team for every two. You have a team that's a perceived Super Bowl contender in Tampa. You have a team in New Orleans that sh- is, I think, good enough to be in the playoffs, so a playoff-caliber team. As much as I, again, hate to admit it. You have a middle-of-the-road team in Carolina that, you know, their Carolina situation very interesting because I looked at this. They were second in defensive yards allowed last year. But somehow, and I, I really would like to go back and study these games, they were just 21st in scoring defense. So yeah. I don't know if that was their offense setting them up for failure, right. probably, honestly, probably. knowing Sam Darnold because they were 30th in total offense so and 29th bad. in scoring. So, bad. Uh, so that gives me like some hope if you're Carolina. Like, okay, if you can replicate the yardage and stay in the top five or six in yardage, yeah. 21st is like the most unlucky number to be that good defensively by yards. So they can get a little better just from the scoring aspect on defense. And then – they should get better in offense. Christian McCaffrey, in theory, will play football. He will not be as injured. Um, and so that's an interesting middle-of-the-road team. And then, obviously, Atlanta struggling as they go through a rebuild in the bottom tier of the conference. Um, look, man, I believe in us. I don't care what anybody says. I know you do. But, look, I can't help it. It's in my blood. I know we, you do. We talked about it the other day, too. I just can't I don't think it, Atlanta's going to be awful. I don't I think we're going to be awful. I, but like, I don't think they're going to be good. No, I mean, just people say that – like seven and ten last year was better than I would have expected because everybody expected the Falcons to be, like I said, a four win team. So this year again, we're expected to be a four win team, and I think our roster this year is definitely better than the roster we had last year. You know, obviously we lost Matt Ryan, and that's a that's a big loss. But in terms of the talent surrounding. Matt Ryan, these some additions on defense. I feel like we've we've upgraded um, through the draft. We we went and got Arnold, if I can say Ebikite correctly, um, and and drafted Troy Anderson, and we still have AJ Terrell, who is a top five corner in my opinion in the league, and um, and went out and got Casey Harris Jr. So a lot of help on the defensive side of the ball is coming. Um, and I think that's um, th- that is actually a fact. That is where we struggled the worst um, was defense because we couldn't stop anybody. Um, so it- it's things like that that you just kind of see where we're developing. Maybe things are going in the right direction. And so I that's just where I want to see. I mean, a lot of the players are like, "We're going to be a playoff team," and I'm like, eh, "Everyone you have th- to believe that. Everyone has to you say that. You have to yeah. say that. You have to believe that. I feel it." If we make the playoffs, I'm going to be unbearable. So so it just is what it is, and I will, I will admit to that. Um, so this, this team is trying to turn a corner. Uh, I think, you know, if we aren't good, then we probably end up drafting Will Anderson, which I'm totally fine with because the dude's going to be a monster. Um, I don't think we go quarterback. I think that they do have a belief that Desmond Ritter can be our quarterback of the future. Um I mean, the dude's a winner. So it's just things like that you just take into account. Uh, let me ask you because, okay, so uh, we'll play Atlanta here for a moment. Um, there's, I think there's, I'm going through the rest of the NFC. As I look at it, I think there's probably one team I'm 
let me finish this. There's one team I'm confident they'll be better than. Right. There's about three or four that I think they can be better than. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I would say, I think they can be better um, than the Giants. I'm right. not for sure. Yeah. Um, I, the team I think they will be better is the Lions, for the record. Yes. I think they can be better than Seattle. Um, and then uh, what, what else? I think I had one more in there. Man, Chica- I, I Chicago. I just don't like Chicago. Yeah. I don't I like just, Chicago. They, um. I just don't. They're think they trying like to get Justin Fields killed. killed. Yes, yep. they don't. I don't think they've uh, they've upgraded their offensive right. line near as much as they needed to. So you know, there's about four teams there, and f- maybe five, and so that doesn't make it a playoff team, but it does make it like again a, like a seven and ten type right. of team. But given the draft this year, because there will be two or three really great can't miss quarterbacks this time, um, there will also be Will Anderson, who will be, I think. Bar none, the first non QB yes. taken. I don't know if the if the worst team in the league will need a quarterback. If they do not, they will take Will Anderson. If they do, they will take a quarterback. Um, but what? Just your thoughts, right? Would you rather be like four and thirteen and have the second or third pick so that you can? And maybe that's not the second or third, but maybe right. that's the fifth pick. But right. if, if you, if I could tell you, you would have whatever would be necessary, not to be the number one overall pick, not to be the absolute worst team in the league. But to be like the third or fourth pick or get to that seven-win number again and be, again, around like the tenth pick or so yeah. and not have access to those those top players, what would you prefer? Uh, that's just the uh, – another thing that plays a, a part. I, I've asked this question myself like for ten years another so thing, prior to the last couple. Another so. thing that I think is going to play a big part for the Falcons coming up next year is that we're going to have a lot of money, over $110 million in cap space. So I think that's going to – kind of be something where we we can bring in players bring in veterans bring in you know maybe top tier guys and pry somebody some some guy that's about to be a free agent pry somebody away that that can be just a big factor for us in positions that are going to be of big need say on the defensive line or I mean just depending on the offensive line books looks but probably the offensive line as well um so I I in that seven to ten range, you know, I, I wouldn't mind it. I would be fine with it. Um, but I mean, if we're absolutely abysmal, then at that point, all right, you know, I, I if there's something that we absolutely one hundred percent need that we're not going to be able to get through free agency, and we have to get it through the draft. Say, if we get an opportunity to get Will Anderson, then I'm okay with it. I'll live with it. I might be sad during the entire season, but I'll be okay. That's fair. I mean, look again. I'm not asking these questions to be painful because no, again, I feel it. Like everyone in this division has had their turn of being just god awful. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. like everyone, like four of the worst twelve franchises in the NFL reside in this division <sighs> over the course Gosh. of history. So we all kind of have had these questions to ourselves at some point. It's like, a, it's like we're a competitively terrible right. division. <laughs> um, so last uh, last minute or two on the NFC South, let's let's spend it with New Orleans and Tampa Bay at the top. Um, New Orleans still intrigues me. There's there's definitely different varying opinions on them. Some right. would tell you that they'll absolutely challenge Tampa for the division. Some will be um, a little more skittish of them. I think New Orleans, I, I'm, I'm in the camp that I think they will challenge Tampa Bay. Um, the Bucks have, I don't know if there's a metric for this, it would be tough to find a tougher schedule than Tampa's because right. everyone in the division plays the – NFC West, which is the worst division to play in the yep. NFC, and everyone plays the AFC North, which is the second worst division to play in the AFC. Thankfully yeah. for the NFC South, Cleveland is now what it is not it is. what it would have yes. been. 
Uh, Pittsburgh should still be around 500. That's Mike Tomlin. Yeah, uh, that's a Mike coaching. Tomlin coaching yeah. guarantee there. True enough. Um, so it's not as bad as playing the AFC West, where everyone could be a 10 win team in the West. But it's still I got the, the the runners up for the Super Bowl last year, the the Bengals. It's still got Baltimore, who again was the number one seed before Lamar Jackson got hurt. Like I said, you're still a base level of competence in Pittsburgh, and then depending on when you play, Cleveland could matter. It's a talented roster. It just it's in kind of. Just right. shambles oh, they, with their. They play Cleveland at the end of the season, right? So, so that could be worse because you right. could be playing Deshaun, or they could be five and ten. Deshaun could be rusting and not matter, right? But when I look at New Orleans' schedule, it breaks down very interestingly because I, I break it into three quadrants. Okay, yeah, their first five games, which I think are all winnable because they host Tampa Bay, and right. remember they've had Tampa's number in the regular true, season true. the last couple very, of years. Tampa true. can't even score Agreed. on them. Yep, uh, they've got at Atlanta, host Tampa at Carolina. Uh, Minnesota and London and then Seattle. There's not a game they can't win in no, that true. first five. Then they have the hang on for dear life part of their schedule. That's the next that's the next eight when they host Cincinnati at Arizona, host Las Vegas, host Baltimore at Pittsburgh, host Los Angeles, that means the Rams, at San Francisco, at Tampa Bay before their eventual bye week. Uh so that's a tough eight. That is tough. And then their last four is all right, here's something to to give you a pat on the back on the way out. They host Atlanta at Cleveland at Philly, who's still pretty good, and then host Carolina. Look, it's still not an easy four, but no. it is certainly easier than the eight prior. Um, so their schedule's interesting because they need that first five to go with. Right. They need to beat Tampa, and they need to be at least four and one in their first five. They do worse than that. I think Bucks fans can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief, assuming Tampa's not in shambles after their tough uh, first four games. But that that first five will set New Orleans to either be a contender all year with Tampa or will say, yep, you know what, they're going to duke it out with Carolina for second probably. We're starting off 0-1, I'm telling you right now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that is Atlanta Falcons fan Canterbury right there. 0-1. Um, and then just a brief moment on Tampa. And, and look, um, knowing this team very well, uh, I do think they'll be good defensively. Uh, for those Auburn people, Carlton Davis will continue to start in the secondary. Well, Jamel Dean will play. I'm not sure he will start because there's been talk Sean Murphy Bunting will be the right. number two corner. Um, K.J. Britt, uh, this is for everyone. This is probably something people don't know. Um, Kevin Minter was the number three inside linebacker for Tampa. He is no longer with the Bucks, So K.J. Britt is the number three inside linebacker now. So that means if Devin White or Levante David get, get hurt, which Levante David was for half of last year, then K.J. Britt will step into his starting role. So right. there's, uh, everyone always talks about the Auburn guys on the Bucks defense. But the defense should be, should be quality. I don't think it will be elite, but it should be like seventh, eighth best defense in the league. Uh, it should supply some sacks up front with Shaq Barrett still, Vita Vea, um, and, and be a pretty solid run defense. Offensively, the, the biggest concern is that middle of the offensive line. Uh, Tristan Wirfs is an awesome right tackle. I think they got, got a sneaky good trade getting Shaq Mason from the Patriots on right guard. You guys had an injury, didn't you? But Ryan Jensen Ryan got Jensen. hurt, who yep. was probably somewhere around the sixth to ninth best center in the league. Uh, after getting a three-year, $40 million deal in the oh, offseason. So he's out probably all season. Right. Um, and then left guard Aaron Stinney, who was the kind of the sixth offensive lineman last year. He was the guy that stepped in if someone was hurt, which down the stretch they got a little more banged up. Stinney is out for the year. He tore his ACL. He's oh. gone. Um, so they still have left tackle Donovan Smith, who's like an average left tackle. He's like the 15th best left tackle if you put a number on it. Um, so – the moral of the story is the right side of the offensive line is really good. Left tackle's fine. It's what they're used to. But up the middle is a big concern. So 
I don't think Tampa will run the ball well this year again, and they yeah. really want to. Tom Brady is 45, as awesome as he still is. The preference is not to make the oldest quarterback throw the most yes. in the league. That's still the preference. <laughs> However, it he could still it. it could still so. work well because Tampa's got a lot of weapons, and although Gronk retired, Cam Brake, Kyle Rudolph, still an acceptable tight end group, and then obviously the wide receivers are, are so darn good. So look, the Bucks have a tough schedule, but I but. I, I I don't I want going back to the New Orleans thing. I just don't think the Bucks will run away with it, regardless because of of that schedule. And because look, I think New Orleans Dennis Allen. I know there's gonna be question marks of him of him as a head coach, but he's got Tampa's number. So in that head to head, you love New Orleans to win at least once, and right. they've won twice the last two years. And then like I said, Tampa's start to their season. And I know because I'm going to all these home games. It's a great home. So as a fan, it's going to be just intoxicating matchups. <laughs> but at Dallas, at New Orleans, host Green Bay, host Kansas Jeez. City for the first four. That's fun. If Tampa's 3-1 and one after that, I don't want to hear a bit of criticism. No, you can't. Um, so 2-2 two and two with a win over New Orleans, I would take, right. to be quite honest with you. And then, obviously, you know, they'll have – I'm just telling you the home, their home games here because uh, these are games that I'll be w- witnessing – Tampa's going to see Aaron Rodgers come to Raymond James Stadium. They're going to see Patrick Mahomes. Uh, obviously, they'll see Mariota with Atlanta. But then they're going to see Lamar Jackson with Baltimore. They're going to see Matthew Stafford again with Los Angeles. Uh, they'll have Jameis Winston uh, uh, coming back from New Orleans. And then they're going to have a Joe Burrow from Cincinnati. And then, obviously, uh, Carolina Baker Mayfield at the end. But those non-divisional quarterbacks, that group of five, Rodgers, Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and Matthew Stafford. Yeah, it is difficult. Yeah, that's tough. So that's tough. The Bucks, if they, I'm telling you, if they win this division, they're not winning it at 14 and three or 15 and two. They're right. going to win it more at like 12 and five, 11 yeah. and six this year. Right, right. The Falcons' schedule isn't really terrible. Like I'm kind of looking at it right now. You place New Orleans first, uh, and that they're they're kind of tough. At, kind of their toughness is kind of sprinkled out here and there. Um, you you go to New you play New Orleans at home first game of the season usually how that goes with New Orleans and Atlanta is is they're one and one it usually goes like that every year just I, last year was weird because we won in New Orleans lost at home um, and it just be like that sometimes go to L A probably a loss face the Rams that's probably a loss um, then you go to Seattle that that's a toss up that's the game you wished you had at right home. You right feel that's the game you wish at, yeah you wish you had it at home but. It could be fine because, I mean, it's not like Seattle's right. very good. Then you play Cleveland at home without um, Deshaun, so that's a game that could potentially be winnable. And then you go to Tampa Bay, um, and, and then that's always a tough game just because the defense is so good and, and our defense is not good. Um, you play San Francisco, you, you just kind of have to see with that team because you don't know how well Trey Lance is going to play, but you, you can kind of – the last time we played San Francisco, we beat them in San Francisco. So it's just games like that where you're just kind of surprised. We're like, oh, the Falcons won that game? Oh, okay. You know, just it's uh, – sometimes we seem to be overlooked. So it, it's just interesting. And then we we play Carolina – excuse me, we go to Cincinnati, face Joe Burrow, play Carolina at home, play L.A. the Chargers at home, go to Carolina, Chicago at home, probably a winnable game, at Washington – where we lost last last year because we blew a lead. We had, a, I think, almost like a two-touchdown lead, blew it. I uh, lost to Taylor Heineke. I was at that game. I know that. I remember that <laughs> vaguely. I was with Javon. Um, then you face Pittsburgh at home. Could be an interesting one. 
Then you get a bye week. You go to New Orleans. You go to Baltimore. You play Arizona at home. And you play Tampa at home, uh, at home to close out the season. So it's kind of sprinkled here and there. It's not like kind of like how Tampa Bay's is where it's just so heavy, where it's so tough. It's just kind of sprinkled here and there where the games are just kind of tougher than usual. And, I, I mean, I feel like that's better than having how Tampa Bay's schedule is. Sure. I mean, yeah, no, no doubt that uh, you like to get some breaks in the schedule. And, you know, that's something else, you know, New Orleans will, after they have a – uh, a fair start to the season then they will have eight straight weeks of playing teams that all could be 500 or above so nfc south will be interesting obviously we're going to keep you updated all season long as we are the proud affiliate of the atlanta falcons for the falcons yeah. radio network right here on tiger 95.9 all season long quick timeout an abbreviated version of the afc south uh the texans exist the jaguars exist but we'll talk a lot about the colts <laughs> and the titans coming up next Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Hour number three continues on a sports call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca Cola. If you're listening after the fact, Ryan Boy Canberry, Brooks Childers has returned He's to the back. studio. Hey! And uh, Brooks, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. You I was know. actually under the desk the entire time. Y'all just didn't see me. Hiding from all the hot takes? Yeah, oh, I see. <laughs> I don't think we had many hot takes, we though. So. Um, Duck and cover. Just spoke about the NFC South. Uh, Brooks, we will we'll find another time to talk NFC South with you. How about that? How about this? You know, you know what? Okay. Panthers are going to win it all. How about that? Whoa! Oh. All right, what? Smith Station, right? This Smith Station. Guy. Um, okay, <laughs> that's not actually how I feel, folks. Okay, that we, but like that Ryan said, I'll, I'll, we can get to it another time. JJ and Austin Scott got excited <laughs> about it though. Um, so we move to the AFC South. Uh, this is the division I think most are picking the Indianapolis Colts to win, although with the recognition that Tennessee is still uh, a potential playoff team and has won this division the last couple of years. Um, Houston and uh, Jacksonville will play 17 games uh, this year. They will <laughs> reside in this division. Um, <laughs> they, they will. Houston's just awful. I don't know what to say about them. They picked Damian up Damian Pierce. They picked. You like Damian Pierce? A I lot? do. I'm a, I, they I picked up Tyler Johnson from Tampa today, which was the mo- biggest surprise cut for Tampa. And I like Tyler Johnson. I actually think he was going to be a number two or number three receiver in the league for someone. So I g- gets an opportunity with a bad team. I hope neck guy throws him all the passes and wish him well. But uh, that's the extent of my Houston talk. Uh, Jacksonville, <laughs> uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, please develop. You're supposed to be really good. Hey, uh, that's not fair to him. What do you mean? He had Urban Meyer as his head coach last year, man. I was, but I was just saying, please. I mean, he's going to have mean, to get I better, right? So. I agree. I agree. I think they've put, you know, I I also think last year, aside from the Urban Meyer debacle, um, he didn't have a lot of weapons. You know, he had NTN, 
who didn't end up even playing, got hurt. And then he had James Robinson, who also ended up got getting hurt. Um, and he had a bunch of nobodies to throw to. Maybe DJ Chark, who's now on a different team. And that's it. LaVisca Chenault, who is also on a different team now. Um, they put in a lot of different pieces with them. They got Christian Kirk. Uh, they drafted. They gave are giving Evan Ingram probably his final shot to see if he can catch a football as a tight end. Um, I think I don't know who else they've. I think they added one more wide receiver. Zay Jones. Zay Jones. Um, and Las he's Vegas. from yeah. He's from the Raiders. Um, and he's he's a talented, crafty guy. So so they they put some pieces around him on the offense to give him some somebody to actually throw to. Um, I think Christian Kirk will have a sneaky good season. I don't. I still don't think that they're going to be great. Obviously, just I think they're young and I think they have a solid core now um, on both sides of the ball that they'll be able to build around and just kind of develop and move up. So we'll see. And I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they they got some dudes. You know, they they have uh, Trayvon Walker. Um, they drafted what a couple years ago. Name is slipping my mind now. Defensive Josh end, Allen. Josh Allen. Um, and then, um, yeah, that's about you like Foye Alucard. Yeah, Foye. Yeah, they did. They went and signed Foye. I totally forgot about that. Yes. Tight. I, <laughs> I, they, they, I, they went and got some guys. I mean, they, they just kind of upgraded their roster, and maybe not significantly, but slightly. They need to be better than Houston. This Agreed. Year. They, need they have to be, to be that, that three um, team at least. I was not meaning that like I was giving up on Trevor Ward, so I did not want to paint that picture. I'm just <laughs> simply saying it was a bad rookie season. Agreed. It was not I good, agree. and there are other reasons for that, uh, but just simply needs to at least start to go on the upper climb to, yeah, this year. Show that elite elite level right. of talent so, that he's expected. Indianapolis and Tennessee, guys. What do you think of these two teams? Uh, what's the pathway to Tennessee beating in, or, or let me start off. Do you feel that Indianapolis is a clear favorite? And if they are, what's the path to Tennessee beating them? Uh, I think you look at this, the, the AFC South. I would say that Indianapolis, I, don't, I wouldn't say clear favorite, but I think that they are the front runner to win this division. Um, I, I think Matt Ryan could have a really, really good bounce back season. Got he's got a, in him. I'm gonna say he's got a really good offensive line he's playing behind right now. That uh, the Indianapolis Colts offensive line is one of the best in the in the um, in the National Football League right now. I think they may be one weapon away from being a you know a legitimate a contender receiver. for yeah. for an AFC title. Um, but I think that Matt Ryan can have a really good season. I think the Colts can can step up. And you know what? I, I would not be shocked because of some of the, the other teams in the AFC that have stepped up this, uh, in the offseason and made some, uh, made some acquisitions and look like they could be good this year. I wouldn't be shocked if the, whoever wins the division – is the only team from the or from the AFC South to make the playoffs. Okay. So if the Colts win it, I don't think it's shocking that the Tennessee Titans don't make the playoffs, even though they've been a team that's made the playoffs, you know, re- pretty regularly these past few years. For the last five, uh, behind Derek, the power of Derrick Henry, and uh, it's I, I don't think it would be a shocker to see you know the, the the Titans not make the playoffs this year if you know because you got that that AFC West that is just loaded from top to bottom. It looks like. You've got the AFC North that has, you know, two, maybe three playoff teams there. Uh, you've got the AFC East that's got maybe two playoff teams there. Um, I think if you looked at it, I know we talked about the AFC East yesterday. I think that you could potentially 
one of those two divisions could only have one team from the playoffs come out of it. If Buffalo, you know, I don't know if Miami or New England's going to be good enough to get into the playoffs this year. And then on the other side, I don't know if Tennessee's going to be, they may be good enough to get in the playoffs, but there may be someone in that AFC West or in the AFC North that's just a little bit better gets them into the playoffs. But I think the Colts right now are the team that should be favored to win this division. I think the Titans should be right there, you know, not too far behind them, but there there is some separation and, you know, like you said, the, the Jaguars and the Texans are participating as well. Uh, I, I think that Trevor Lawrence can have a bounce back year. I think I this agree. this year could be a really good bounce back year with um, – who's their head coach now? Uh, uh, Doug Peterson. Peterson yes. That's right. Uh, with Doug Peterson there, you know, he, he was able to, to get Nick Foles a, uh, right. a Super Bowl. That, I mean, it, it's – you know, I think he's a good offensive coach. Uh, I think he can coach, uh, coach up Trevor Lawrence. And then the Texans – are, are existing, you know. They, they could have a fine defense, maybe, maybe. I don't know about their offense. But, I, like, Ryan, I, back there's, to the question. There's no hope. No, no hope. 32nd in offense last year, 31st in defense. Derek Stingley. No hope. They could have Derek a, Stingley. They could have, a, you know, be 28th in defense, Derek maybe. Stingley. All right. That's um, fine. But back to your original question, I think that, like I said, the Colts, I think, is you know, the, should be the favorites. There's a little bit of separation that you can see to the Titans, but don't be shocked if the Titans don't make the playoffs. I think that the Colts are high and away the best team in this division. Um, I see them as a playoff team. I see them as a sleeper Super Bowl contending team. If the right things, if things go the right way, they have a dominant run game in, in a top five running back in the league in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they now have a still, I think Matt Ryan is still in the tier of uh, great I, I won't say elite, but I'll still say great. Um, I will always love Matt Ryan because of his ties to the Falcons. Um, but that defense is always top 10. They are locked down on defense. Um, and I just think they have all the talent. They have all the pieces that are necessary. I thought last year they were going to be a playoff team, and they got Carson Wentz. So that just kind of plays a part into it. And now they no longer have Carson Wentz. Um, I wasn't sure if they were going to give him a second chance. And I thought, you know, Frank Reich, just because of their connection and how they worked together in Philadelphia, that, that maybe Wentz was going to get one more year just to try and, and figure it out. But it seems like Indianapolis just was not patient and they just, you know, were ready to win. They're ready to take, take that next step um, and, and kind of dominate the, the division. I mean, nine and eight. This team was better than nine and eight last year. Um, I feel like um, they just couldn't score enough points. And I agree with you, Brooks. They are they do need one more wide receiver. That's definitely something that they need. They have Michael Pittman, and he's an extremely talented receiver. But they need one more guy on the other side to just kind of match up with him. Other than that, though, I mean, this team is very, very well built on both sides of the ball. So when I look at it. Um, What's interesting is this team was actually very balanced last year. I, yeah. I think I talked last year or last last year yesterday about uh, what was it Buffalo that didn't feel like they got enough out of their record given that their statistics they ranked both top five and both offense and defense right. and they were eleven and six I think <laughs> Indianapolis is similar they were actually ninth in scoring last year and they were ninth in, in defensive scoring so they were top ten. And on both sides of the ball, and yet 9-8. and eight. That would scream 15th. You should be like 15th on both sides yep. of the ball or 16th. Um, so I think the Matt Ryan upgrade will matter. Um, obviously, their offensive line is awesome. 
Their defense is solid, as we just went over. Yannick Ngakwe is their biggest pickup that they get. I think they did say goodbye um, to a couple DBs, Rocky Sin and Xavier Rhodes, quality DBs that they'll yeah, miss. Yeah, they're going to miss Rhodes for um, sure. So, you know, I think, again, they're going to stay in that, like, 10th range for defense. Um, their offense, you know, I, I don't think it – I think it's a little better, but I also don't think it moves up in the tier of the NFL just because there's other teams that are just really good offensively that also are going to be right there. Like, I don't know where Cincinnati ranks, but like right. Cincinnati's a team that feels like maybe statistically they were even with Indianapolis or maybe a little lower with them last year that, all right, now they really found themselves so they could really click this yeah, year all year. Fire. You know, yeah. Baltimore's a team that because Lamar was out half of last year, if he's in all this year, maybe they're higher. So I think statistically wise, they're probably going to even even off again they're probably gonna be a top 10 but probably not top five on both sides of the ball i do think they're the favorite um tennessee i'm just worried about because i just think we're like one ryan Tannehill accident away from just them starting to just decline blow it up and and look they they just need they need derrick henry to be pre-injury derrick henry and there's no evidence to say he won't, no. other than just he's a year older and running backs age poorly. Yeah, I would say that uh, workload that he has is just mm, not sustainable. But he's been a machine and a unicorn, so which are two very different things, but in this but context, that makes sense. Yes, no, <laughs> um, I agree. <laughs> and so uh, I realized what I said, like, how is he a no, machine? No, but he's it. a, he's a mythical creature. Um, but, uh, look, I think Tennessee, I think Mike Rabel deserves a lot of respect because he's – stuck to a specific brand of football that has worked pretty positively for them. Uh, But again, I just like the Tannehill dynamic makes me nervous because why it makes me nervous is they don't have A.J. Brown anymore. Uh, Obviously, Julio's not there, although he did play a lot last year. Added Robert Woods. They did add Robert Woods and and draft Traylon Burks, who I think will be awesome. If he can be healthy. But I don't know. I'm just – there's not much depth there. Their defense is good, but it's getting older. I just – I like Tennessee, but I'm with you guys that I think only the division winner makes the playoffs because I was looking at it too, and I know we need to wrap up this segment, but um, the AFC South plays the NFC East, which that's good news. It should be two wins, maybe a third, and then they play the AFC West. So they'll have their head-to-head opportunities because I think those are the teams plus one more AFC North team that are making the playoffs. So I think that you have your shot to beat Denver and put them below you. You have your chance to beat Las Vegas and put them below you. So that is good news in that sense. But, uh, you know, it's also good news you get to play Houston and Jacksonville twice. So you feel like you have four wins, at yep. least three, but probably four. Um, and so that those things are good news because AFC West might, might beat each other up. You might have an, a chance where a team in the AFC West finishes 9-8, and eight, the second team in the AFC South finishes ten and seven. You feel that that nine and eight team is better, but they just had a little more to work through in their schedule this year, and so that could be a big part of it is just the schedule, how that lines up. But I know for sure that I'm going to watch Derrick Henry and continue to appreciate Derrick Henry, and I'm going to be really interested to see what Matt Ryan behind that Colts offensive line and Jonathan Taylor, who is freaking awesome, what that kind of dynamic looks like in Indy because I think those two. Uh, could have really big years. All right, that does it for the AFC South breakdown and preview. We previewed both the NFC and AFC South today. If you missed it, go check it out in the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. The Nightly TV Guy, coming up next.
Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back. Final couple minutes of Sports Call here on this Wednesday afternoon. We've had a lot of fun. We've done a lot of different things today. We didn't get to everything I wanted to even get to today. There was news about the Big 12 today uh, where Oklahoma and Texas might have the opportunity to join the SEC sooner. We don't care how much the Big 12 schools make. That's the nah. that's the reason Oklahoma and Texas might be coming this way is they might be able to renegotiate a deal with ESPN and get it to start sooner. Uh, so that was one bit of news uh, we had Alan Green just a little while ago release a farewell letter to Auburn University. Uh, that was very well said. So we'll have we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. Uh, so there's a lot of things to hang with us for uh, as we go through the rest of the week. There's college football on Thursday night. Uh, I won't be able to, to talk much about those games because I won't be on the show tomorrow. But UAB starts uh, their first year without Bill Clark. That's near and dear to my heart, obviously. Uh, they start against Alabama A&M Thursday night at Protective Stadium in Birmingham. So excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, college football is here. Football in general is here. Eight days to the National Football League starts as well with that big game between Buffalo and Los Angeles to start the year. So it's all right here. Football is what we what we live for here on this show. Yes. And uh, it's time. So, all right, just a couple minutes left in the show. Each and every day we do this. Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. What do we got tonight? I will give you a movie pick to start things off with, as I do every single night. Only one, though. 6.30 on FX. It is the sequel to the hit Deadpool. That's right, it's Deadpool 2. Nice. Is on air tonight. So funny. It's a movie you may not want to watch on TV because no. they probably have to yeah, edit yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff, definitely, but definitely. it's still still a good movie. Given the context of that movie, I'm surprised they didn't come up with like a creative title to it, too, that like self-deprecates oh, it. Right? You know? True. Yeah. In true. hindsight? In hindsight, for sure. Sports on your television tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN. You got the U.S. Open continues. You got matches featuring the number one seeded men, man in the world, uh, Daniil Medvedev. Uh, that's a 7.15 start. And, of course, the American Serena Williams is back in action tonight in what could be her final match. Oh, my goodness. She's going up against the number, I believe, the number two seeded woman in the uh, in the tournament. Um I'll always, I will, I'll always love Serena. Yep, she is going up against the number two seed tonight, so tough match for her tonight, but we will see if she can continue. Uh, also on tap tonight, the WNBA playoffs continue tonight with the semifinals. Connecticut Sun, which featuring former Auburn Tiger Devonna Bonner, take on the Chicago Sky. If the Sun win tonight, they punch their ticket to the WNBA finals. Nice. Also at 9 o'clock on ESPN2, the Seattle Storm looking to punch their ticket to the WNBA finals as they take on Las Vegas Aces. Uh, Sue Bird looking maybe go out on with a championship in her final uh. year in the WNBA. Also in the sports world tonight, 620 on Bally Sports South. It's a game two between the Rockies and the Braves. Ryan Feltner going for the Rockies tonight. He's two and five with a 587 ERA. Braves will counter on the mound with Kyle Wright, 16 and five with a 299 ERA. And then of course, wrapping things up tonight at seven o'clock on the SEC Network Plus, the Auburn Tigers 
open their volleyball season at home or open their home slate of the volleyball season against in-state rivals, the Alabama State Hornets. And that is looking at the TV Guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much, Brooks. Yes, sir. Uh, reminder, just a few minutes, about five minutes from now, the high school coaches show from Wild Wing Cafe coming up right here on Tiger 95.9. You can listen to all the local high school coaches talk about their football teams as we move into week three of the high school season. Cam, appreciate you being here. Glad to be here. Brooks, appreciate you being here. Absolutely. We want to thank all those who tuned in and called in today, as well as the voice of the Auburn Tigers, Andy Bertram. For Cam Berry and Brooks Childress, I'm Ryan Lloyd. We hope you have a great Wednesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.